0: In this episode of Shoot the Shit, I'm honored to jam with the one and only Kelly Starrett. I apologize guys, I'm at the airport. Kelly is a behemoth in the fitness industry. He's a physical therapist who became the most successful SME course instructor in CrossFit history. And it all started on the back of 365 days of dedicated YouTube content where he launched the Mobility Wad project. These homemade videos that taught fitnessers how to get out of pain and improve range of motion eventually became known what is known today as the Ready State, which provides education and certifications for coaches all over the world. Kelly has also been brought in to work with professional sports teams, presidential administrations, and as he talks about and reveals in this conversation, some, if not one of the largest companies in the world, um, as everyone's trying to get in on the game of human performance. Guys, I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. Ladies and gentlemen, Kelly Starrett. Kel, go ahead and count up to ten if you wouldn't mind, brother. One, two, three, four. Holy shit. Going
1: big, sometimes I get a little excited. I know, no. That's fucking horse shit.
0: That's good, though. That's good. Twenty dwarves took
1: turns doing handstands on the carpet. <laughs> that's for Bugsy.
0: Is that, is that what it is? Yeah. No. Listen, um, I we kicked this thing off. I am beyond it. You don't even really know. What he, like, so he joked around. He's like, did you bring your lacrosse ball to get signed? Like, it's one of those things for me, even sitting here talking to you, and I'm even such an amateur. You're doing this right. You're doing this right. Is to sit here and, and be in the flesh, the supple leopard. Now, I was doing my research on you, I didn't realize how big you were. Like, I was doing my research and then I'm like Savan's podcast and then I'm going through and I'm trying to find everything that's not about mobility. Like, one thing I don't want to jam a ton about today is fucking mobility and fixing tissues. All right? That's, that's one of the things I don't... <laughs> I actually wanted to spend three hours talking about your shoulder. Pain. <laughs> and then I'm like, the motherfucker's been on Tim Ferriss now like twice or like you've done like the Tim. I'm like, I I guess I didn't realize maybe because I was in the CrossFit bubble. I'm like he's just a god in the CrossFit bubble, and I want to get into some other things like you done. You first are,
1: of all, little G, little G,
0: okay, little small G, Demi. but you were did the the you know you did work with when the <clears throat> Obama administration was there. Right. You guys did some work with them and you're maybe doing some stuff with maybe with the current administration. I want to tie all that together. Like this podcast for this could be just as selfish for me as kind of to figure out how the ecosystem mm. like we talked about when I interviewed you recently on that 365 videos and a New York Times bestseller book. Like how does that ripple effect? Like we were just talking about two a second. New York Times two, two, so two New York Times because you're ready to run. And then Wall Street Journals. And the other one was about sitting and sedentary. What was the third one? Despa?: That's right. That's right. And I do want to talk about the, uh, the nonprofit too. I feel like that doesn't get any fun. Well, no press. Well, I appreciate that. And we're also
1: deep into, I think is the most important work we've done yet, a new book called Built to Move.
0: Okay. Which
1: cool. I'm like, <clears throat> we have to take everything that we're learning here and apply it. Otherwise, this is all just, we're just making upper middle class people better at fitness.
0: Well, I want to get there. I want to start. Cool. You're German. You're from Germany. I grew up there. You grew up there. So you went U.S. Outsider. Outsider. So U.S. born. Get a, what, why does one go over to Germany that young? My was mom it? was a professor. I <clears> had <throat> just a single working mother. I have a, my
1: dad was basically, who's now deceased, was basically like raging alcoholic. He was the great Santini. He was the captain of the football team in college and flew F4s and, you know, was trying to self-medicate because his father was so When did he pass? Uh, about 10 years ago. 10 years yeah. ago. So yeah. my mom and my dad divorced. My mom defended her PhD on like a Tuesday. On a Wednesday, we were on the plane. It was a big expatriate community there in Garmisch. Southern Southern Bavaria, really like southern Germany, 10 kilometers from Austria. And this like like my <clears throat> middle school or my elementary school photos are just crazy. Like with a photo of like my class and then like the Alps. You know and um, the dollar was really high there and I think really at the time the dollar was really excellent and I suspect what happened is that my mom as a single working mother who was living in Seattle found a community where she could drop in and suddenly it was super insular and safe where I could ride my bike everywhere I had to be home by dark you know and, and so single working mom finds something that's working she's a professor she's a psychologist of a local international school and then, man, it's just its the best life you can possibly have as a kid. Like, I don't mean – I mean the best life you can have as a kid.
0: What's it like having a mom as a psychologist? She's con- Was she constantly trying to f- just work you out? Like, you would say something like, well, what you really mean, Kelly, is this.
1: No, it, she's
0: much more self than that. <laughs> I,
1: I, you know, uh, uh, look – Um, every parent is a ninja at manipulating their kids, hopefully.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm working. I got a four-year-old. I'm trying to be my best at it.
1: Yeah, you really just, and you just plant seeds and bombs and, you know, the rakes that they'll step on 10 years from now. That's really, it's just, you're laying a booby trap, like, you know. Um, Landmines. My mom would do things like, she'd be like, I'd be in trouble. She'd say, sit down, because I was already taller than she was. And I remember one day I was like, no, I'm not sitting down. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to maintain my alpha position up here. You sit down. You sit down. So, um. I lived there until I was finished the 8th grade. I went to high school in the 8th grade. Uh, And then my mom had remarried an Army doctor, met an Army doctor there, who was stationed there in in Bavaria. And then we moved to D.C. for a couple years, and then Carmel for a couple years, which also was not the worst high school to go to, and then went to Boulder. So, you know, I really when I came back to the United States, I came back as a freshman and went to a huge school. Do you remember that movie, Remember the Titans? Yes, of course. I played in that football league. Okay. Virginia, which was one of the first integrated schools. Yeah. It, was, it was huge. I think there was Boom. only There's like 60 or 70 people on our freshman football team. I mean, it's that kind of thing. So huge football program. And I'd never played football, but I suddenly discovered the glory of football. Of hitting people. It was really amazing. And then <clears> – <throat> um, What position? I played tight end and outside linebacker. And I was, oh, yeah, I can uh, see it was outside linebacker. I was really yeah. – re- I caught a lot of balls. I was, I was really good at holding onto the ball. Getting my ass kicked. I was really like, Do you like the
0: highlight of catching or did you like hitting? I liked
1: defense better. I thought I thought I was gonna be offense. This and this really says a lot about my, my what I know about myself now is that defense is art. It's understanding, it's interpretation. You're presented with something that's fluid and dynamic and you have to make a decision and then react. It's mountain biking, that's skiing, that's whitewater kayaking. You know, everything is in sort of fluid state. Offense is like equivalent to offense for me is like building a or like freak like climbing you have to piece this protection it's like if you're an engineer you love sure
0: you love offense If the if the corner runs that perfect route at the same time (laughs) and you let it go it's gonna he's gonna catch it we need
1: this but that's not how my brain has worked and
0: if you look at the the crazy stuff that we do here
1: it's all about interpretation reaction someone comes in to the gym someone comes into the clinic I need to interpret what's happening come up with a plan
0: have buy and like that's art and defense and that's why it just speaks to me i've always seen that that offense defense analogy is those that like chaos and having to pivot when they don't know the pivot's coming and those who the pivot and the chaos actually ruins the plan so if you're at a quarterback and you've got that receiver that's going to run that run route if your guy gets jarred on the line and he goes off course, it's going to fuck up that night. You don't want any cash. You want it to go exactly as coach drew up. But if you're on defense, you thrive. That's the whole point is to take this beautiful play that the offense have drawn up and shit on it. I think you just described my
1: childhood. Okay. Great
0: job. And probably
1: that was some of the most insightful
0: information about my
1: own psyche I haven't connected the dots on.
0: So, I talked to your mom before I came here. <laughs> pretty she much. filled I, me in. I'm
1: pretty sure that's the case. Um, you know, what's interesting is um, I just read uh, – Obama's biography, and um, one of the things that I, you know, just trying to understand myself. I'm almost fifty. I'm forty-eight this 48, year. Forty-eight, yeah. And um, you know, uh, one of the things that President Obama said in the biography was just like his run for president. He's like, is it my it pseudo megalomania, right? And and when I say that, <laughs> clearly there are some negative connotations there. But I want everyone to appreciate that if you ever opened a gym or taken that leaf of faith, or said, I'm going to be the, the center of the universe in my community by starting a business, you know, you know, being the center of gravity, that's a form of megalomania. Like the arrogance.
0: Yeah, the, the, what I call the entrepreneurial ego, Ugh, the ability to say, it takes I'm so, so good at something. It takes
1: so much chutzpah to be able to do that. And, and I, I, what I'll say now, you know, I have the first, you know, I, I'm unemployable. <laughs> That's what I'll say, right? In fact, I like I got this tattoo and it went below my elbow, which is purposely, me, yeah, purposely. Like Same I got I'm burning. The I'm, world. I'm yep. never working for anyone else again. Burning the burning the ship. But you know, looking back, you know, I started my first business very young. I started, what was it? Uh, fixing all the mountain bikes in my neighborhood and cleaning yeah. bikes and doing bike tuning. You know, and it was five marks, which was like three bucks, and I was rich.
0: Was that just from you? being on mountain bikes all the time? Or did you have some, did you enjoy learning the the engineering? If you're a mountain biker, you just learn because your shit breaks when you're out on the trail and you have to learn how to put together. Or did you enjoy the engineer part of it? We were
1: just self-reliant. And then I saw a problem. Like, and the problem was everyone's bikes were out of tune or dirty or needed, you know, fixing. And it was an easy thing for me to do. And it was a small enough money, amount of money, where I realized I could have this recurring revenue. I could, you know, I just solved the problem. And I'll say that that's probably the first time and I don't know if you've even put voice to that until just now, but it's the first time I realized it was like, oh, there's an opportunity in seeing problems. If I can help, help someone solve a problem, that's good business. Yeah, And I've been doing that forever.
0: I want to go back. You were talking about your mom. Uh, so – my mom, I, my single mom, my dad died when I was 16, a uh, huge drug alcohol thing, couldn't handle it, went home one day, found the handgun and said, you know, I'm just going to take the easy way out. That was like, that, that was, that was his go. The guy was a g- phenomenal salesman, loved cocaine. Just these eighties, like you child of the eighties, this entire lifestyle. and it just did not mix, but full
1: transparency. It, I'm terrified of cocaine. I've never done cocaine never, because I'm sure I'll love it.
0: So I've never done it. I was like, one of those things I was such a, so angry. It's a couple things I'll never do. Oh, yeah. Never do. And I just made that list. My mom smoked as a kid and I was like, I'll never smoke a I cigarette. I didn't drink until I was 22. Really? Never had, never touched alcohol. Because of your dad.
1: uh uh-huh. And I dodged, I feel like I dodged so many bullets. I ended up, starting. to interrupt. Go Go for it. I, this is really powerful because it's a conversation Juliet and I have all the time. So Juliet is a child of divorce, right? A lot of gnarly stuff. I had a missing father, some gnarly stuff. Kind of. Critically poor mom. We never starve, but it's tough, right? Working professor mom. Again, privilege. I'm a white person. There's a whole lot of things in my favor, but um, I learned to cope with exercise and scaring the shit out of myself. That's how I coped. Like that was. I self-soothed with that, and even today, Juliet's like, "I'm sure you have ADHD. I'm sure of it."
0: Did you ever feel? I know when I was, you know, in high school. My mom, she tried to discipline me. There's no there's no dad around. There's no one to whoop my ass when I come home. It was one of those things where I kind of, I was more of a disciplinary problem because I knew at the end of the day I could get yelled at, but there's really, like, there's no one to whoop my ass the next day. Mm. And that, I think that what that, in, again, there was a period of time where that was super defiant, but then later on I, I reversed that and it became way more nurturing, realizing I was the male figure in the house, yeah. having to, you know, not be a complete shithead. I,
1: you know, my mom, I, uh, you Know, I played with fire and knives and anything that I could do to you know jump off cliffs. And I mean, I just you know, I carried a knife to sh- school in my shoe for a long time, didn't tell anyone about it. I just had that discipline, I'm not just in the body, like in the soul, like my kangaroos. <laughs> you know, they had a little pot <laughs> yeah, on the yeah, outside. Yeah. I had one of those mini Swiss army knives <laughs> yeah, with like yeah. a nail file, yeah, I could shiv someone with the scissors or something. I don't know, <laughs> but um, you know, at one point I had like 12 knives hidden in my room for some. I'm just obs- you know, I'm l- I get a Are little you still obsessive. a knife guy, a still a knife guy. Okay, I have lots of do you knives. have like an everyday carry one. I do always have a knife with yeah. me. I have sacrificed more knives at the TSA than <laughs> it is probably healthy. But um, there's some things I, I think the key to understanding me is that I become upset. I'm obsessive, and I really end up perseverating on something. Um, you know that that relationship with your mom. You know, I figured out that I could, if I just played a really excellent game all the time, the world was mine. So I got straight A's. Good kid. Like
0: straight game theory kind of game.
1: Mm, like. Like, I realized that if I jumped through all these societal hoops, one is that my mom would be like, you know, my mom was, you know, understanding her complicated family, um, her own trauma. It was, a lot of uh, nurturing came about in my family if you were, didn't talk about your feelings, and you were a stud, right? Everything's good. We're good. We'll put on a happy face and kick ass. You're all kicking ass. All right, we're fine. Do whatever you want. So I realized early on that if I was successful and the best of whatever I did, and that was pretty easy. I'm, I have a near photographic memory, so that makes things a lot easier to learn and pick up. And, and in my defense, I saw people working their ass off in school that I didn't have to do because I could just remember
0: and regurgitate. When did you first realize you had a photographic memory? Early on, I could just... I feel like that's a fucking Marvel superpower.
1: Oh, uh, yeah. It's
0: pretty close. Like,
1: I'd walk in... You know, I'd see it when... um, And it just, you know, makes me a terrible student and an excellent student. If I sit in class and pay attention and then do the work, I'm like, I okay, now I just have to regurgitate. was just right there. You know, it made me really good at... I'm really excellent at pattern recognition, too. But uh, I remember in grad school, my wife was like, you're just staring at the page. You're not even taking notes. I was like, yeah, I'm studying. She's like, you're just staring at the page. Like... You know, Juliette was with law school. And yeah, she, she had you
0: have to take the bar.
1: Yeah, she had to take the bar. And so she had just color-coded
0: things and notes. She probably and I was hated like, you because of your ability. To do yeah, that.
1: well, I, you know, and I was like, I studied for the... I sound like so arrogant. I'm so sorry. Just some context. I studied for the PT boards for a weekend. I was like, I got it. Right, I'm fine. At GRE, I was like, I flipped the book. I was like, it's going to be good enough. Like, and that's... Some of that, I think, for me, is always recognizing when the effort is enough and that, like, the first year of PT school... I set the like it was this girl who was like her job was to get straight A's that was her whole identity and I was like I can do this and I'll show you, so she and I battled for a top position in PT school and then I had a baby, then I opened the gym and then I said to my professors I'm not going to get straight A's anymore because it's not worth my time, you know I'm just going to do enough do what I need to do B's yeah. and B pluses and that's you know not I mean
0: I get straight A's and then the gym and the baby suffer or I could get C's <laughs> and everything can kind of well like, you can't afloat. get C's
1: because you get kicked out of grad school for C's okay but you have to hold three but that's that's easy that's pretty manageable. Okay. My point is, I had this hole in my life from crazy family, and my dad was one of those chaotic people who disrupted the whole family, and so I was his son, and that was, you know, tr- the transference was there. It was real, so I definitely had this burden on my back to achieve, right, to to show my dad, like, why doesn't my dad want to be in my life? What's going on? I'd see him when every When did six he come months. back in? He never really did. Okay. In and out, and then died estranged, which is terrible. He never met his kids, and-, and and what I'll say now is, you his know, grandkids, or you mean? Yeah, his grandkids. Yeah, his grand. Yeah. Sorry, um, you know, one of the things that you know you, you have to understand the context of people's lives if you're going to work with people. You don't need to know the, but you need to understand what their tendencies are, what makes them tick, how what what levers, like it's what's interesting about people. You know, one of my good friends is this woman named Erin Cafaro who has a couple of Olympic gold medals in rowing. She's like my, the closest thing I have to an actual sister as an only child. And she's now getting her uh, doctoral in counseling, doctorate in counseling. And she's like, hey, I just want to reframe something. She told me this a few years ago. She's like, all those defense mechanisms and all those coping strategies, they're your superpower and you just have to identify when those mechanisms come up and you start to default to those things, see them for what they are as triggers as, Oh, that's telling me something. It's information. And my ability to like, like my super secret power was to dissociate. Like, like Juliet will laugh that I have this thing called the gift, which is I'm really, really stressed. I'm going to lay down on this concrete, take a nap. (laughs) I can nap just go anywhere through it. Just sleep. Just, I'm just going to just turn off. And that's how I coped with anxiety for a long time. And, um, you know what's interesting is that you you can look at your genetic profile and see that you're a warrior or a warrior, right? Juliet is the warrior in the family. I'm the warrior in the family, and I had a ton of anxiety. I don't get nervous; I just get anxious. I want to perform. I want to do well, and uh, it leads me to prepare well and you know make sure I do my thing. But you know, a few years ago, maybe eight years ago, Juliet's like, "I think you need to talk to someone about, <laughs> about your family and your anger and and your craziness and about your dad." And I was like, "What do you?" Uh, uh, that's something I should do. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Did you just compartmentalize? Put it in the oh, back, yeah. yeah. And put in the just, closet. And it just
1: all the things that allowed me to be the megalomania, be the, you know, circling back to that, being the take the big risk, stand in front of the big crew, right? Coach, take, you know, be vul- like exposed. Like I could do all of that and just put this little door down over my heart, right? So that yeah. megalomania, single, only child of my of my mother, who was telling me I'm a great kid, right? missing father figure, all of that, like, what is my, what's that? That all allowed me to do this, 100%. And so what I think is interesting now is, you know, my kids don't have that. My kids have are super stoked, happily married family. Um, but eight years ago, you know, Juliet's like, you gotta talk to someone. Like, it's just, this is not serving you anymore. And I think that's the way that I want Did people you to say. you resisted it at first? Mm, I saw the truth of it, you know. I, I, old enough to see the truth of it. You know, Dad dies. I don't cry. Dog dies. You know, the only human, the only being that's been with me for 20 years. It doesn't, you know. Follow your eyes oh, up. wreck, Done. right? Um, and I <laughs> think Julie's like, hmm, I should have noticed that pattern, right? And um, so, Julie, I talk to someone now. I have these things called feelings, which are just they're gnarly. They're insane. They're great, all and they're all the horrible. I mean, we're watching The Voice last night, I'm just oh, weeping, boy. weeping, weeping, weeping. Um, so... What's interesting is uh, now I have a lot more anxiety that I feel, but that's also a superpower so yeah. what I want people to appreciate and this man, all of this comes back to sport. the things that get us here are not the things that keep us here and if you're trying to understand yourself through training and sport, which is the which is the big filter that most of us run, we don't realize we're running it, but it, it you, know, you get this immediate feedback, I suck today, why did I suck today well I was super stressed. I didn't drink water. I didn't eat right. I didn't warm up. Didn't cool. Like you can just see these one-to-one relationships between progress and no progress or output. And so it's easy diagnostic tool. You know, one of our best hiring practices is we hire people that we've trained with forever because I know everything I need to know about you. You know
0: so much more about somebody on the training floor oh. than you ever can on a resume or an interview. You've heard me say that Dune is
1: my favorite book in the whole world. And uh, there's a scene in in the movies and all the books where the young Paul, the young hero, Paul Atreides, is being tested by this woman and she, he has to put his hand in this box and the box creates nerve induction where he thinks his hand is burning and melting and she's holding a knife at his neck or like a poison needle and if he pulls his hand out and withdraws from the painful stimulus, she kills him, right? So the choice is keep your hand in the box, be conscious of all the pain and suffering so that you can be aware and watch it. And override any of the pain. It's system. the scene
0: of Fight Club where Brad Pitt pulls Edward Norton's hand on and pours the, the burning out. Well, he's doing it to himself and says, you know, embrace the pain. That pain is the one thing you can actually own. And she's like,
1: our test is crisis and observation because people don't realize what's going to happen. So she's just watching his reaction. And when it starts to get painful, you get to see what your default tendencies are. So when you start to get stressed at work, you start to have, to have a bad conversation, you have to have a hard opportunity, ki- like, you feel shame or guilt about something you did, we're going to find out who you are and how you behave in that situation. Well, it turns out the microcosm of that is the gym. Because as soon as it's heavy or as soon as it's hard, what did you do? Did you talk? Did you take your ego out? Did you default? Did you, did you create what I think we're, we're suffering from the most right now in society, which is this, we call it, plausible deniability which means I worked so hard I broke and then I'm like well it's not my fault I just worked so hard right and versus you know hey I, I started this business and I augured myself into the ground destroyed every relationship I had but I'm an entrepreneur and I'm like well you're a shitty one.
0: Talk to me more about the therapy I think that's uh, uh people probably look at you and see a very strong position a successful position mm-hmm. are you still do you still do this therapy?
1: No I uh she
0: fired me. She fired you? Yeah. She's like because you were Good to go. Like go and go and enjoy yeah. the world. And if you need anything, yeah. you got my That's number. That's right. And
1: uh, because I had become self-aware Where? enough about the processes, and man, you know, um, how long did you go? I was probably in there for a year. Yeah, yeah, once a week, and really extraordinary, powerful know, shit. Well, I t- tell you, um, you know, uh, this year what we've learned is that kids are the most anxious they've ever been. Um, we're seeing the most depression in kids ever and what we haven't done the same way we haven't done a good job of helping people understand what a physical practice looks like how do you take care of yourself you're just crushed with tv and fads and take these turmeric pills and you know i mean my daughter we were in the we were uh, hanging out in the hot tub the other night and my 16 year old she's like you know what when dogs are fat you feed them a little less and walk them a little more she's like when people are overweight you give them fat burners <laughs> cleanses why is a girl and i was like i was like wow that's <laughs> very observant yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> i was like the difference is that dog doesn't have a choice right? Yeah. and this all this agency and choice is is a gift but also a problem so you know what we're haven't done also is this is how you eat this is how you sleep so who's responsible for that well that's why the trainer for me the coach is the center of the universe right now the most important person is the person leading who's the center of the nucleus of the 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 physical interaction. Because that's the only place we're having all these conversations about. And it matters more because you're not walking, you're not eating Whole Foods, you're not eating like your grandma. But then the other side of that is where do we get to talk about feelings and vulnerability? A lot of people don't go to church anymore. There's not, it's not happening. Um, You know, I was a Boy Scout as a kid in Germany. Really different experience, I think, than scouting in America. And, you know, the Boy Scouts are not a great organization, we'll just say that. And yet I had this bananas experience in this international you know, thing where all of the international scouts were led by women, you know, like the Americans, we just, I'm mean, like, the, the, the Ukrainians are like, we find are, the local pedophile. <laughs> we're like, Hey, where are the girls? You yeah. know? And I was like, uh, I don't, we don't have girls in our scouts, but I'll drink wine and hang out with you. Cause you're Italian <laughs> and, um, want to trade kerchiefs. <laughs> so, you know, th- what I see is now we are bumbling along, coping, self-soothing, and basically, just like animals, putting our hand in the box, pulling it out when it's too painful. Put it back in the box, put it out, and we're never, ever conscious of that. And so if the goal is crisis and observation, how, do, how are we doing? What are our default tendencies? Do you default? Do you become more open and vulnerable? You know, a couple things that, you know, I think I maybe even talked about with you, um, you know, with my wife is I have two, two th- sayings that just changed my world. One is you may be right about that. And it's not about her being right. It's about me leaving open to the possibility that she can see something that I can't. And this is definitely something that if you're in business and you have partners and you need to work with this, if you're in business, you have to be self-aware enough that if you're getting feedback that you're not defensive to it. Because feedback in my family early on was criticism. And that was not okay. So I had the thickest defensive walls ever. And that was really useful when I was like, hey, by the way, we should probably have more hip flexion. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> you should be able to you know I could, I could use that and be deflect all the all the craziness turns out I was right but that helps but you know when I say to my wife now you know you may be right about that what I realized was that you know she's on my team and has my back in a way no one else does and can see things because her brain is wired differently than my cuckoo brain that it's a competitive advantage and it may not be that she's correct or when she's giving the right thing, but the pause and the natural default for me to to not react, but to say, huh, I'm going to be curious about that. I'm going to show curiosity. If we had that defensive mechanism built in to all of us, you know, which is, you may be right about that, you know, then, just think about the possibility. It leaves you open to the
0: conversation. Oh, my God. It, and that's the big, especially now, because everything now, especially, I don't care if you're left, right, red, blue, whatever. It's just, you say X, I don't like X, then I shut that down, I call you a name. There's Training. Yes.
1: Internet, un- Instagram, food. I mean, choose something. It's just, uh, like, you know, what, uh, what we want to do, you know, is understand, and some of this came from me working with the world's best coaches. You know, I, I want to understand what their thinking is. So, when I watch a coach coach, I'm not... I'm watching for example the techniques and tools but I'm like what problem is this person trying to solve so if I'm working at seeing Kairos or other competitors I am, I'm, where I'm really looking at is how are they trying to solve this set of problems right what problems are they trying to solve That's so interesting and when I suddenly became vulnerable when I had the wherewithal to say hey Juliet I realized that it's not it's not gonna be the end of my essence ego essentialism by admitting that you may be right, but also puts a pause where we can explore that option. And I still have the right to say,
0: oh, I was right. Well, that's my second thing is so after you make so I'm literally downloading this from my, my own relationships. I, I love that. What's the next piece? So, so, okay, you may be right. What you like, what's the next step you have then in that conversation? Well,
1: you know, one is that it, it when that comes up like that, you know, you already have hit the brakes enough that you're going to now watch and observe Crisis and observation, right? You have a, you have some dissonance. There's some dissonance. There's a disagreement. There's counting back there's, down from ten for a kid who throws tantrums. Sure. There's, a, there's. you, you got to take three breaths before yeah. you move anything, right? But the, the rate limiter there, you know, the that that's important in of itself. The second piece that I think is the following to this is, I'm really becoming ninja of asking. Tell me more about that, and that curiosity that's triggered by that now gives permission to explore that a little further. So if it's a feeling or, you know, you can then sit and not be sitting in shame or uh, anger or defensiveness, I'm just curious. Like, tell me what you want or tell me more about that. Why are you thinking that way? And, man, that is just like those two superpowers. I'm telling you, like, call it manipulation, call it level nine foo, Like, it's really amazing. If you take those two skills into your relationships, because... Being a human being, like, do you win training? Do you win? No. Did you win the gym? Do no, okay. you win business? I, I'm like, well, do you win being married? You don't. So what I'm proposing is that you actually need to play better, and these are the two of the ways that I've found that allows me to play better, and
0: that's the infinite game. That That's the goal. And even if you're having a conversation with someone and that you truly, in your heart of hearts, and your brain of brain, you're like, I'm... I'm completely right. They are completely wrong. Mm. Those still just open one door to say, hey, let's have the conversation. And then the second door is let that person shit on their leg when they don't actually have a leg to stand on in their argument if that's the case or express their feeling, whatever it may be. <laughs> and it gets
1: you out of having to be defensive. So, you know, like my own pattern was I'd be defensive. And then Juliet could be like, huh, we're not even talking about the thing. We're talking about your defensiveness now. So by removing my reaction to your reaction, I think is really the goal of <laughs> Buddhist, Christian, Hindu thought. I mean, like, it really is about trying to be better. And honestly, it's the same thing we should be doing in the gym. It's the same microcosm. I don't mean to take this back, but, you know, is this working? You know, how do we know it's working? It's all up for negotiation. And every single day, we're going to come in with a fresh set of templates and a fresh set of eyes and be curious. And then this becomes the greatest exploratory, you know, my best friends, all of my best friends train, period, you know, and, uh, it's one of the, we play, train, like, it, it just cuts through so much of the the practice. I, I have plenty of very nerdy cerebral friends, but the people I'm closest to, you know, Margaret, you know, is uh, one of our first hires. She's my wife's best friend and one of the greatest training partners we've ever had. You know, they train together, and, you know, I don't think people realize that if you can train with your partner specifically, you know, like, Julie and I just went from mountain bike ride. You know, we had a little. We cleared the calendar. We got a little hour and a half ride in this morning. You know, it's so easy from our house. We—that's the secret to our whole life—is that we make it so easy that there's no excuses, no barriers. I don't have to drive anywhere. I love the right? And um, but that's an hour and a half together of, you know, being dropped, having to fuel, quality having to time. Hot. And and, uh, you know, we need now more than ever to be closer to people and all people. Have You, have you done love language
0: tasks with Juliet? No, no. That's but, a-
1: but I'm sure it's acts of service.
0: Yeah. Like okay.
1: if true Ju- if Ju- Ju- I know enough about this game. <laughs> that if Juliet, um, if I take out the, the do the laundry, you know, handle the handle the things I say I'm going to handle acts of service. Um, let me. Th- it's really great that you say that. You know, for Juliet's birthday is in April. There are always physical presents, but I started giving her making her coffee every day for a year, and uh, so I'll get up and make the coffee. And that is the first act of service. And you want to have a better day, make your partner an act of coffee. Like, first thing in the morning, good morning. What's the,
0: one that, what's the one that gets you? What's your love language? What does it for you? There's words of affirmation, physical touch, acts of service, gifts. There's all kinds of stuff. What, what it words for of affirmation, physical touch. Yeah. Those things.
1: You know, um, again, I think I learned to survive as a kid. And those tendencies are still like, I got this. I'm hard. Yeah. I don't need anyone. I can do it by myself. And, and then combined with the fact that I was just like a mutant kid running around Germany by himself in the woods. Like, I also like to be alone. I li- and, and so I'm not an introvert at all. I'm not, clearly. But I still love, I don't mind being alone. Like, the kids go away or something happens and Jill's like, you can be okay. And I'm like, I don't have to talk to anyone today. It's fine. This, this is, is great. It's totally fine. I'm never bored. I've never been bored in my life.
0: You and Juliet both came from divorced families, Mm. and so I came from, like, you know, the horrible, nasty divorce, and then I had two grandparents that got divorced, and they remarried and got together, and best friends ever, like, they're at each other's, I mean, they're just, yeah, so, like, it was this mom and dad, that one degree of separation, horrible experience, and then grandparents, an amazing example of that divorce can just be an, an alternative family lifestyle, you just have a bigger one, you know, so... I get married, and we have my daughter. She's four now, and the one thing, you know, it's just like I said, Dad and you know, dad did coke. I'm not going to do that. Mom smoked. I'm going to do that. I'm like, I'm never going to get divorced. I'm not going to put her through that. Well, lo and behold, me and my ex-wife, and we're still amazing friends, we just realized we got into it. We were way better friends. We're amazing co-parents, but my husband wife was not going to be the role for us. So we decided to split. It's super amicable, and now I've got this daughter. I'm like, I just want her to have the most normal bring up possible and, and it it the other day girlfriend that I'm dating now for a while we were dropping her off at my ex-wife's house and she says hey Jess you want to come in and you me and my mom can have a sandwich and I could show you my room and we could play in my mom's room like she has no idea that her world is actually untraditional she has no clue because you build that in and I'm curious yeah, for yeah. you because you and Juliet you guys have been together now 20 plus years there's always rocky roads and stuff like that. Is that was that like some like glue? Like, oh, we're never like divorce. Fuck that. We'll we'll get through this, come hell or high water.
1: Yes, yes. And I, I, it's it is a for me. You can define marriage however you want. Marriage makes it trickier to, to bail. You can't just drop the bar and walk No, away, yeah, right. You got to clean up the chuck. Yep. <laughs> and close the like. Yeah. I want a lot of steps in there, and children are one of those steps. And um, but also there's you should plan on being able to have a way of solving problems. So when I have, I have a lot of younger friends, young coach friends who are getting married right in the last five years or so. And I take my wisdom. and I'm like, tell me two things. Tell me, are you guys having sex? Are you intimate? How are you intimate? I don't want to know the details, but show me how, like when you have a fight, do you guys, how, how do you, how do you show affection to each other? Cause if that's already gone or not working, do not get married. And the second thing I say is, there's that physical touch piece, right? The second thing I say is, how do you guys solve problems? You know, w- tell me about your last fight. So I'm, I, I want to make sure that those pieces are were meta about that. And that just means we just need to talk about it. You don't have to get it right. We just have to have a schema to talk about that. How do we talk about our feelings? In our classes, we get together, we all shake hands, we make friends. We've trained together for 10 years, but we're still going to shake hands. Good morning. How are you? What's happening? What's happening in the world? How's everyone feeling? And then we pull everyone together, and we talk about what was great, what didn't work, what are you worried about, what would you feel? And we have this kind of bookends where the process is built in, so you don't have to make another decision. You don't have to overcome some entropy or or engage, and that's what you have to do with your life. You have to set, and especially if you're going to run your own business, you're a crazy person. You are a maniac to do this, and so you better have these structures where you don't have to, you know, we have this thing called the feelings meeting.
0: That, I have it literally written down. You oh, mentioned so that on the Savant Podcast, and I wanted to know what this is.
1: The feelings meeting came about where we realized that we were business partners, and we're still husband and wife, but we were business partners and best friends, but we were solving personal relationships when we were exhausted with children and two businesses at the end of the night. And at 10 o'clock at night, I'm not my best self. 11 o'clock at night, I don't want to talk about my feelings. I just yeah. want to dissociate and drift off, right? And what the feelings meeting did for us was give us an opportunity and a place and a structure to talk about our feelings.
0: Is this a recurring
1: meeting? Mm-hmm. Once a week. And, uh, you know, sometimes it's in the sauna. Now it's a little less... The COVID made things a little weird. But we'd go out to dinner once a week. We have uh, Juliet's parents live a mile from us, which is amazing. But now our kids are old enough to stay alone. But we just sit down and sometimes... There's only sparkling water and sometimes I'd be like, I need a drink, you know, and we, you know, we're not big drinkers, but man,
0: what's your go-to? Uh,
1: mm, tequila is pretty great. Yeah. Um, Very paleo. I, I lost tequila for a while I'm back into tequila. Um, but one of the places where I may send you, there's this drink called the after fairy, which has like muddled strawberries and mint and vodka and, Sounds and, amazing. and coconut. It's unbelievable. But I put this big ass after fairy, it's like in a 14 pound rocks glass and, um, and I say, oh, we're like, okay, go. And the only rules are you can't be defensive. You just have to listen. And sometimes there's nothing to talk about. I'm doing great. I really appreciate you. And sometimes you're like, hey, I don't think we're handling that well, or I didn't do a great job on that, or this is really hurting my feelings or not making me feel, or it's not, this, this thing that we're doing is not getting us where we need to be. And having that framework where you can talk about process is the same fucking thing we've done with every professional team I've ever worked with. You know, Right now, if you're listening to this and you haven't done this already, there's a documentary called All or Nothing. I think it's on Amazon Prime. It's about the 2017 All Blacks, which happens to be a team I work with, and I happened to get involved with them in 2017. Nick Gills, our strength and conditioning coach, All Blacks are TRS users. I'm such a fan of them as an organization. There is no ego. There is only humility. There is only, I'm afraid of letting the team down. And you have some of the greatest, fiercest warriors battling on the planet yeah. talking, missing their first start because they'd rather be home with, the, with their newborn baby and, or the baby's being born. And the coaching staff is like who we are as people and how we solve problems. The, the permission to talk about process they're not mired down process. They go do the base. They do everything better than everyone else does. They're the like winningest crew in history, except for UNC soccer, right? And so, but what do you when you watch that, if you brought that level of uh, vulnerability and and process and egolessness to everything you did in all the relationships, I guarantee you're going to feel closer to your friends. You'll have better relationships with the people you train and coach. And it doesn't mean you can't be the best in the world and fucking savage and cut someone's throat when it's time to cut their throat. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying be soft, but I'm just saying own your part. And I've actually seen that with, um, you know, I get to work with sometimes the military and I'm not trying to fetishize the military in any way, but I have seen an elite group do a skill and come back and then watched everyone own every fuck up. Right? Uh, Like, so the feedback. So imagine we're on a team sport and our team sport is three station rotation or deadlift thing. And then we finished and they are like, ah, I could have done better. Lost my concentration. Think about the process there
0: instead of just moving on to the next thing. I, um... I can only say this to male entrepreneurs because I'm a male and an entrepreneur, but the ones that I work with, I talk about you have caveman mode and communication mode. Mm. Caveman mode is, cavemen didn't really communicate. They grunted, but they just went out and fucking killed things. They clubbed saber-toothed tigers and they killed other members that were weak and they brought back the food. And you have that caveman mode as a business owner where you have to go and get shit done. But then there also is this Mm. communication mode you absolutely have to have. I don't care if it's an employee or your significant other or yourself internally because if there's no communication in there, like, you know what happens when someone doesn't hear their own... Like, doesn't he- communicate with people. They're in solitary confinement. You've seen the tests that are done with animals. They go fucking insane. Yeah. No, no communication with the the people that you interact with. And the deep level communication. Not like, hey, blah, blah, blah. And then passing. Like, actual deep, disgust communication. You will go fucking nuts. I don't care what it is you're doing. You'll do a poor job at if it. If
1: you... Here's the, the pro tip as a business owner or a friend. If you have some resistance about talking to someone, that's the, you got to talk to them. If you're like, oh, I don't want to have a conversation, you know,
0: lean into the thing you well, already that's, have. That's easy to say, lean into the chat. Yeah, yeah. I'm not
1: talking about that. I'm like, you have to pick up the phone and tell the member who's at 5:30 in the morning, who's being a dick because the gym is closed down or he thinks he's elite. You need to call him and tell him it's not okay. It's not okay to make everyone feel that way. It's not okay to throw a tantrum. And that if you, you know, don't change, he's going to leave. You need, you'll need you kick him out of your gym. And, you know, he's like, but I'm the best athlete. It doesn't matter. You're a dick. And that's a really difficult conversation to have. And I see people, you know, t- tiptoe. And if you've got an employee who's not cutting it, you get a chance to help them get it right or, you know, not. And that in so much is, man, I need to talk about my feelings. And if, I, if you're feeling that moment where you're like, I don't want to have this conversation, then you need to pick up the phone. And now I actually kind of like... I get to have those conversations, you know, like if, if there's something going on, like I'm the pit bull of the company. I'm like, no problem. I'll tell people <laughs> like, cause I'm like, this is a great opportunity to destroy my sense of self self-importance and, you know, be honest with someone. And that's, that's tricky.
0: I want to talk about. I mentioned this to you earlier. I didn't really understand the ripple effect that you had had. I remember you had the tight blue polo t-shirt on, and you're, you were giving one of your first SME lectures that made it onto the CrossFit. And you had you had hair back then, oh, man. and it was so hopeful. This was you know, and you opened your gym, and then simultaneously put yourself. You went through PT school, yeah. and you did all that, but then I, you know, I'm learning all these. You know, obviously, you know. This thing has exploded to not only sports groups and maybe elite military and the all blacks and presidential administrations. How does it ripple effect like that? Because at some point, you're just, you know. Uh Um, Mark Ripito, fucking Brian McKenzie, these are all great SMEs that had great things to say and they were all a part of this ecosystem we were all in. You exploded out of that solar system more than anybody else. And was it the 365 videos? Was it the the book? Like, what was it that allowed you to catapult to that level? Because there's no one else to that degree that was in that SME world. And there was a lot of opportunity for Mm. Rob Wolf and everyone else to have that same effect.
1: Well, I appreciate that. What I'll say is that there... The original group, you know, Greg Glassman um, really w- uh, gathered up. He could spot talent. He had a really knack for spotting talent. And if you look, even go further back with Dan John and, and you know, um, uh, what's Mark uh, um, from uh, Salt Lake City? I'm sorry. Mark Twite. Yeah, Jim Jones. So just if you look at Jim Jones and some of those Adoshay guys, and- man, there, there are so many talented people who got sucked in. Mike Bergner. Um, you know, Mike Rutherford was in there early on, the Martins. There's just really incredible people. And if you look today, what Brian's done is amazing. John Wellborn is still yep. out there slaying, you know. um, You know, there was a long time ago I did a little talk at like a CrossFit trainer gathering. And, and uh, you know, I knew early on that the thing I was interested in was position, recovery, positional restoration, performance, and the unifying field theory around that is how does the body work? And then I had all these expert friends, you know, um, you know, who are are experts in powerlifting and you know, and all these things, but they were just but the unifying thing is the knee. It's involved in all those things. So I made this joke. I was like, I wish I was the running guy or the Olympic lifting guy, but I'm the stretching guy. And everyone's like, ha, ah, ha, And I was like, you don't understand. This is like, I wanted to be the stretching guy. And I think Because all these other guys need me. They're going to need me. I'm, yeah. I'm the universal thing, right? Um, you remember the 10 physical general characteristics of, of fitness? Well, it turns out f- flexibility was one of the ones. It was an old word. But which one of those impacts the rest of them? There's only one, flexibility. Like, you want to lose power... Don't have full position. Want to not be agile. Don't
0: I mean, so I was You like, wanted oh. to pull a string and t- unravel the whole thing. That's,
1: that's the string. It's all, you, can, you can buffer it for a long time. Um, and then I'll tell you, you know, some of this 100% is being a maniac. I'm pretty good at communicating. I love to teach. I've been teaching complex motor skills to adults since I was 14. That's when I started teaching whitewater kayaking. My mom is a professor. I sat in the back of every lecture she had because she was a working mom, and my mom was like a circus star professor. She was a, she finished her uh, her career at Denver University. She was professor of the year a million times. Your mom's still with us? Yeah, and she is the most amazing lecturer of all time. And what really, makes her so good? Her ability to synthesize and integrate information. So my whole like my whole shtick is. Pattern recognition and synthesis. Like, I can aggregate disparate ideas very fast and see with the overlap. You know, that's the pattern recognition part. And so suddenly, imagine why CrossFit really made sense to me because I was like, oh, Olympic lifting, gymnastics, running, like, barbell work. Like, how's it all related? Why does this make this? Where are the relationships? How do, you know, what's the synthesis? What's, like, suddenly I was like, oh, I just see how all these pieces fit together. The shoulder does this, The does this, it does this, right? And um, so... One of the things that I appreciate is that, yes, I'm probably a decent coach. Um, and then also hit the right, I mean, YouTube was a barely a thing when we started. I know
0: you always give it right place, right time. You use that line all well, the fucking time. But also,
1: also, I have this thing called work pain tolerance. And my wife and I have phenomenal, world-class work pain tolerance, which means we can delay gratification and outwork you. And I don't want to outwork you. I'm probably very lazy. But I, when it's time to go, you know, it means I'm teaching a class, two classes back-to-back in Dallas, and I'm going to fly back late at night. My, mom, my wife has our both kids, and she's an attorney, and we're running the gym, and we've got, you know, and then I go sleep on my table in my office. And then coach the five thirty a.m. class on Monday. That's
0: what I call juggling chainsaws. Oh. There are some people that are amazing at juggling chainsaws. Now the thing with juggling chainsaws, I mean, I cut
1: all my hair off. You'll,
0: oh, you'll always one will slip at some point, point. Oh, yeah. and it just some people are skillful like yourself. Where just a little nick, tis <laughs> but the tis but the flesh wound, <laughs> and other times it takes your fucking arm off for people who no, are well not it, skilled.
1: It, well, you you're gonna you die, and you employ all the relationships around you, and and I just the I think. I think one of the things that uh, you know, I remember laying in bed with Juliet. Supple Leopard come out, big success. We got really lucky. It's a good book, and I was like, "What if?" I was like, "What if this is all I do? This is it. I'm done. I don't have anything else to say." And she was like, "What is wrong with you?" And I was like, "You know that? That's the old self, right? Like the old drive, drive, drive. You know, achieve." And um, you know, I didn't go on vacation. I wrote the book. You know, we spent a ton of time seeing, I think we're lucky. I'm lucky enough in that I could see the future a little bit. Like, I'm like, oh, I see the truth of it. We're going there. When I found CrossFit, I was like, oh, that's the thing. Like, it wasn't even a phenomenon yet. It was like there were five gyms in the world. It was like they were, like, there was a, there was a video on the early site when I was following it called, from a guy called, from ShivWorks. And he had, like, worked in, like, gangs and prisons and was an F- expert knife fighter. Like shiv, like shiv. actual shivs, Like yeah. shivving people. And I remember practicing, like, knife moves because it was on the CrossFit site. And Juliet's like, what is going on with this site? I was like, I don't know, but it's kicking my ass and I'm learning how to knife fight. It's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> and there's this thing called Paleo. She's like, I just Googled that. That should have been a SME. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much was. And um, and so... uh here we are, I can outwork everyone, I see, I'm really good at pattern recognition, communicating, and then also, I am really not threatened by other people's success, and so I am really good at being an ally to your success, like, I, that's one of the things that inspires me, I was never a person who got super down when we lost, I got down when I sucked, I hate sucking, hate it, hate it, hate it, hate it, but losing, if you beat me, man, poof, you, good job. You beat me. You deserve it, right? You're more talented than I am. or worked me. Man, that's yours. And that just motivates me. And if you're really fast, I'm like, I could be that fast. I just have enough ego all the time where I'm like, well, I can do what you can do. What'd you do? I can do that. And uh, I think I was long enough and, and ally enough and friendly enough and helped enough people and did that long enough where I wasn't a dick in the space and didn't cut my own throat and didn't shit talk and I tried to help people. And lo and behold, that is the process. The glacial pace is the breakneck pace. And luck, serendipity, ego, right woman, who knows what the, you know, I've recently started saying, I was like, no one thing changes everything. Everything changes the one thing. So does the book matter? Yes, having a good gym matter, superstar coaches, the right partner, right? Just keep CrossFit's ascending. Like all of those things helped the one thing and that
0: one thing was my career. The business side of me, I was asking myself the same question, like what why is he rippled past the rest, and I, you know, this, I came to this very similar conclusion. You have the product and service that everyone that plays in functional fitness, or plays in Olympic weightlifting, or plays in enduro land needs. Soft tissue work, being able to do it, th- and being able to do it themselves, right? That is like.
1: Let me, let me tell you a story. Th- this this will set also. Um, uh, George Saint Pierre is a good friend of ours, and he, he tore his first ACL, hit a non-contact ACL tear, and I can talk about this because a friend. Um, and his staff called. His people and were like, Hey, George needs to see you because he tore his ACL. And then he I didn't hear anything. And I called back and they were like, He's worked it out. And I said, like, Cool, let me know, I'm here. And they tore his second ACL and then they were like, George is coming, like, is Tuesday work for you, right? And so I see people because they're losing, or I see people because they're hurting or in pain or injured. And that means something isn't working anymore, right? And so I'm really good, again, pattern recognition of spotting where I think we can help. So the job I don't want to do is the day-to-day coaching of the lead athlete. The thing I'm really good at is synthesizing and helping the coaching staff spot those blind spots, right? That's my favorite thing in the world, to, to make everyone else look better, to come into a program and not not be trying to take someone's job, but to say, hey, I, here's how you think you can get better at your job. And On those two things, I'll get you eventually because what you're going to eventually do isn't going to work for you anymore or what you're going to do isn't work for you and you lose or got injured. So at some point, I'm like, meet me. I'm Kelly Starrett.
0: I want to go, I got two things. I want to go jump back to something you said. You were talking about your mom and what a great teacher she is. And, and the first thing, so my marketing brand, I remember watching your videos and I remember, why is he not leading with, okay, there's your, the, would you like better ankle flexion? Would you like not have to put on your wooden shoes every time you squat? This is how you fix it. But you never did. You always would lean in with shit I would have to look up. And I'm an exercise phys major. And I'm like, he's using, I'm like, he's using some jargon sometimes that People are never going to watch no. this, but they I, like you. Just you like tweaked the nipple. You just teased them enough. You like foreplayed the jargon enough to where people were intrigued by it, but not they didn't feel dumb. How about they, this?
1: Let me reframe that for yeah. you. Yeah, um, you may be right about that, and I definitely struggle to not use jargon.
0: You know, because this I think it played to a, I think it played to your strength.
1: It may, it, well, got me it got it, me, in. It got me
0: researching a past of your video. It is the right word. So I'm
1: not trying to use some fake word. I'm trying to use the right word. And it's not your word that you don't know yet. But underneath that, as I'm talking up to you, I think you're smart enough to figure it out. I think you're smart enough to come along on the trip with me. And I think, I assume, and it, look, I have sometimes super anxiety. Remember that time, Kelly, where you spoke to 500 doctors at the like, big osteopathic convention? So I'm like, okay. Like no pressure here, or the time where I stood in front of every strength and conditioning coach in the NFL for three hours. Remember that? Like I'm not the best person in the room, so what I walk into the room and say is, "There's no way I have more, you know, experience or better than these people, but no one has my experience and can see what I can see." And so what I've always done is said, "I think you can come up to where I am." I never talked down to anyone in the videos, and there is a fine line between overshooting, sure, right. There's two physios named Bob and Brad right now who are killing it. They're just like a couple of guys in their late 50s, early 60s. Is they're YouTube killing YouTubing it. YouTubing killing it. Like the Bob and Brad show. And they're like, Bob and Brad, famous physical therapists, And they just became aware of this generation of like me. Like they just, I was on their, they're super nice guys. But they're like, we just discovered and You had a book and you made these products and your stuff works. And I haven't been able to ever squabble a little parallel and this is crazy. And I was like, I know, it's so weird, right? <laughs> you know, because it is easy to get siloed. And those guys speak to a whole group of people I'm never going to talk to. Those are not my people. It's okay. And, and when I got to that place where I appreciated that some coaches are going to really like you, some of our athletes are really going to like working with you, and they're going to really like working with me, and thank goodness we have multiple voices and multiple yeah. perspectives. So, you know, how is it that we got there? I'm really good at my job. I'm really good at understanding this one vertical, and I'm really interested in how all those things. I'm a savage generalist. I am the greatest generalist you ever met. I know a little bit about everything, I know how it relates. In this one vertical, I'm pretty deep on that thing, but I'm also super curious, and there is no edge to my life. So my training, my friends, my professional work, my day-to-day job, it's all the same job. All I'm talking about is how do we go faster? How do we live longer? How do we have less pain? And then I rinse, wash, repeat, rinse, wash, repeat, rinse, wash, repeat. And then my friends are like, come on in. Here's England National Soccer Team, right? And suddenly I'm like, oh, man, here's a new huge data set. You know, here is another group. And like suddenly I get to, see, everyone's like, here's our dirty laundry. And I'm like, wow, I, who gets to see this dirty laundry? And then I get to make a whole bunch of different, you know, set, sets of inferences. And and to be totally honest, is so we're super clear, This sound this is so esoteric, Sir Francis Bacon is the the father of the scientific method. And the scientific method is induction, understanding patterns through large data sets. That is what it's about. It's about observation. Tell me what job we're all in right now. It is about observation through large data sets. What's the best practices? How do we feed the most people? How do we have the most people have the most durable back, back squat hinge position? It's, that's what we're doing. So I feel really blessed. You know, in early in physical therapy, I think I hit the jackpot because if I was, and I used to do this thing, you know, I was like, look, if I was a physical therapist and I saw eight patients a day, one hour time, like, and that's not usually the case, but I got to spend eight hours. How long does it take? I can see 40 people a week. That's two classes, maybe. Just two hours. So in two hours of personal small group training, I have crushed the pattern recognition of a whole week of work as a physical therapist. So imagine I'm doing this deep dive physical therapy thing and simultaneously, I'm running 20 classes a week. I'm running 30 classes a week. I'm running 110 classes a week, right? And then I have other coaches and I'm in their same room and I'm coaching and watching them coach. And then all of a sudden, you cannot keep up with the pattern, that the pattern recognition, the volume of data sets that I have access to. And that's why
0: working as a team or working with a group is, is magical. What was the moment, because you went from, you know, again, doing the, the SME stuff with CrossFit, what was the first contract or the call you got from another group where you're like, oh, my God, I, I've taken the first step outside of this CrossFit realm? What was that first contract or yeah. gig you got? Uh, you know,
1: uh, uh, that's hard to say. Um, you know, th- I think things start to accelerate a little bit, definitely with the mobility project. Um, but, you know, it turns out everyone likes to train. Like a lot, people like to exercise and exercise is something everyone knows they should do. So suddenly, you know, people at Google are like, Hey, we're huge fans. Can you come talk to us? And I was like, Oh sure. That's
0: the, and obviously functional fitness, the complexity of exercise yeah. going up makes you a necessity. What,
1: what I knew something was happening and I was on, you know, because I, I, people understand that, you know, when you are a CrossFitter, that means different things now. Before it was like, I was untouchable, right? I was part of the CrossFit cult who would cut your
0: throat if you, you know, swung a kettlebell less than over your head, right? I mean, we, we were... And you had a real following. I mean, I don't know what your personal relationship was. I remember when Ryan DeBell started his movement fix courses. I remember people... I, I We sent some coaches to him when he came to Charlotte. I remember people, like, going up to his face and letting them know that they thought he was a Kelly Starrett ripoff and this poor bastard just trying to carve out his little corner of the fucking world. No. The pro- uh, you know,
1: well, I'd like to come back to that because I think there's some really powerful lessons there because he's a, a fine human. Um... You know, I remember being invited to speak at Perform Better, which is a
0: completely separate ecosystem. Sure. And if you're a crosser, you know who the Perform Better people are. Get yourself some, get yourself some bands. Get, to, I mean, they make the little cones, they make all. They make, all.
1: they make, and there are some really smart coaches involved yeah. with that process, and and uh, that group. And I was able, you know, Chris Poyer, invited me. He's the founder and inventor, owner, CEO of, of, and he was generous enough to say, I want you to come speak at the our big thing in Rhode Island.
0: And he found you via internet. Internet.
1: You coaches, too. some young coach was like, maybe it was Mike Boyle was like, yeah, I think you should have this guy on because Mike Boyle, who is a genius and has been holding the door open for a generation of us, whether you're a CrossFitter, or non-CrossFitter, he, you know, you, the generosity of these senior states, persons, coaches, men and women who are like, this was a young person of talent. We should identify them and see what they're about. Mike invited me into his gym to talk to his staff, like Here, I think you have something important to say. Here's my staff. Like that is a sign of such badassery and power, and especially because
0: you had the CrossFit label on. Oh,
1: so I mean, I remember. I mean, I think I mentioned this. I was, I'm in this gigantic party at Chris's house, and I'm the only CrossFitter there. And I'm the, and it's well known that I'm the first CrossFitter to ever speak to this group. And you know, Greg Cook is part of that group, and you know, mentors and and uh, some guys come to me at this party, and they're like, "Don't worry, you're not alone here." I'm a fitter. I'm a fitter right so that was a it was like huh you know and I was starting to be asked to work with the military more and other teams were reaching out and what I just started to see was that oh there's there's a lot of people who are needing this problem and CrossFit was such a good GPP methodology and has become since even more sophisticated than it was but again when you we when I originally said CrossFit what I meant was can you swing kettlebells? Can you swing dumbbells? Do you, can you handle barbells? Can you do Olympic lifting? Can you do some basic gymnastic stuff? And can you run and row? Right, that like you have to be skilled at that. And I think we all had massive beginner gains. So there's that. And then, you know, just circle back to uh, the movement fix. You know, early on, it's easy to get people's attention by criticizing
0: the old pe- people.
1: It's that's super easy. I think that is a cheap shot. And I want people creating sp-
0: polarizing content for the sake
1: of getting the lightning rod. It's just easy to criticize someone. It's e- and, and and offer no solutions, right? And I think my beef with early on was, and I'm sure I did it initially, but I was aware. I, I probably didn't do it as well as I could have, but I was pretty conscious. As I never, I never punched down. I never took cheap shots on people. Um, you know, in fact, it was Greg Cook of the FMS who said, "Hey, you know, I heard you." defend FMS and talk about it in a way I heard some talk about it. Like a lot of people just like, you know, I can shit on this because I'm like, you didn't author that. You don't have, you know, whatever you're doing, you haven't haven't done sweet fuck all. And um, so anytime now when someone comes out and is like, then you should, you should have red flags about that. Because what you should be always asking is once again, they may be right about that. So if someone's system has interference patterns with my system, or my way of thinking, those, every interference point is a point of curiosity and interest. Opportunity. And real opportunity. Why are we seeing things differently? Because uh, Buckminster Fuller has this idea of mutually accommodating systems, which means it doesn't matter what your tools or techniques or language is, it drops right in. So suddenly you're like, CrossFit and yoga, they're the same. CrossFit and Pilates, it's the same. Right? Olympic lifting, gymnastics, you're like, oh, it's the same. Because there's no one saying one thing and like, it's the same. And when you start to realize that, then all of a sudden you can just drop into any system any you know track and field olympic like i'm just like oh the shoulders the shoulder and so when you hear someone being like Bleh, then you should be like huh i wonder why they're so insecure in their own model that this is the only way they can get attention and you should see that absolutely as a as a juvenile beginner operating system because the world's best never do that. They don't ever talk shit. They just show what they're doing. Uh, It's more interesting just to show what we think is working or
0: they highlight what they love, right? Speaking of ripples and I don't know if you saw this uh, inside of our entrepreneurial support group. I believe it was Christy dropped it. You got a huge call out on JRE, on the Joe Rogan podcast. They pulled you up on the TV. They pulled the mm. website up. is this is this news to you? No. Okay. Joe's a friend. Okay. So I, I you're little in your you know GSP. You're just you're a f- a few contact points away. Like I, I think about how big you are and then I, well, saw, I was on G R E, right? I was on Joe's show at like episode three sixty five. You were on GRE? Yeah. I had, how did I not find that in any Sorry. of my research?
1: The bottom line is, you know, all of these super mega stars are all really busy. And just do your work. Like every once in a while, you know, someone slides into your DMs. I slide in other people's DMs. Hey, I'm such a fan. You know, yeah. I see you follow me. I just want you to know, if I'm here if you ever
0: need help. Did you th- Did you watch Frazier's his JRE interview? Yeah. All the there was a lot of upset CrossFit affiliate mm. brethren around it about it. They didn't think he nah. portrayed it much, and I I, I got imagine I watched your I, breakdown of it. Yeah, yeah. What, I'm really curious because obviously I did not see your JRE at all. Dude, that's what we're doing on the way back on the plane. No, um, it's, you can't watch it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Joe got super super baked. And I had just
1: slammed a bulletproof coffee. <laughs> and we missed each other for like the first hour and a half. It was really, we were operating at two speeds. A, my crackhead monkey brain was like, I'm on Joe Rogan, let's go. Yeah. And he give me that caffeine and butter shot. What's that
0: like? Is that, because I, like, people are giving Matt shit about his thing. I was like, I'd be so, I, I can't even imagine mentally what I'd be trying to do with myself as a human being on. That's such a, it's such a crazy thing to be on. Practice, 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 practice,
1: practice. It is crazy to be on. Um, you know, I've never met Matt. I think Matt, what I'll say is Matt did a, figured out a way for him to be very successful. Um, and that's not the way I would necessarily train or compete. I just he knows himself so well that he knew what he needed to do and how to do it. It's pretty rare that a games athlete that you don't know. Yeah, you? I just never met him. I right, I've worked with just about everyone. i yeah. put my hands on a lot of cross He very athletes. much
0: seems like a lone wolf kind of guy.
1: Yeah, just 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 worked out and you know we were just in different different sure. circles. Um, and again, he's very successful. What a, what a champ. You know, I, I think, um, you know, what we always want to do is say, well, what system did this person come out of? Why did they make the decision? Those are the really interesting questions. Whether you like Matt or not is irrelevant. Matt is really great. There's so many things that we should be taking about his practice and how he did it. And, you know, the tight relationship he had with his partner. Sammy is one of the kindest people ever. Like, you should be looking at, wow. The number one relationship that kept the whole thing going, he fed like it was a hungry wolf. You know what I mean? Like, that's really, I don't think anyone's talked about that relationship as being, like, such a foundation to his success. Like, he just worshipped Sammy and took care of Sammy and Sammy took care of him. Like, I was like, that's pretty simple.
0: I, I think the most interesting about thing about him is he's going to create the paradigm and the framework because <clears throat> he's the first one to ever retire. And then continue and in whatever his whatever the rest of his life looks like. It's not just I want to be Matt Fraser and be win the CrossFit Games now for an up and coming person. It's I want to then ascend to whatever that is because. You know, you look at front. You know, he's done his thing, and he's got some other companies and stuff. And I've I always thought this with games like that I didn't I didn't know anyone this or anything like that. But I was like, you have this amazing moment in time, and for most of those people, it's a quick moment in time. don't know
1: how to monetize it. Afterwards. it, it correct.
0: Yeah, and I mean, just like NFL players don't know how to manage their money when they're in it, and that's why so many end up broke. And you see these, you know, thirty for thirties on them. In your experience in watching, do the I, I hate saying the word kids, but do do they when they're in the minute, when they're in the moment, do you think they understand it or they're just so locked on the prize? Depends how old you are.
1: Yeah. And what your previous experience is. Um, you know, it's really it's big and you know, look at what morning chalkup has been doing, talking about sure. all the social media grossness. Like that's gross. To be a woman and it's just disgusting. Um, like I have a comment I will never ever like or comment on a on a a one of the athletes I follow who has, you know, is in her you know, selling something or in like sexy socks or something, you know, I just don't do it, you know, I don't feed that wolf. Um, what I'll say is it's complicated and you need to make a living. And, the, and let me just frame this for everyone, because it's so easy to have, like, I have a business, it's so easy to be like, do not what I have to do. Um, I have, sometimes I, I have a ton of Red Bull friends, like so many Red Bull athletes, who are Red Bull supports them, gives them athletic support, trains them, media attention, videos. They support esoteric sports and it's a sugar company. It's a, like Red Bull's not great. Like it's not a great product. It's a real problem. There's dissonance. And I'm like, wouldn't it be great if you could just say no to Red Bull? And then my wife and I met because of Camel Cigarettes because Camel sponsored Camel South Africa sponsored our world championships, and Camel was written all over everything. And guess who had zero compunction when I was a twenty-four year old kid? You had kid. Joe Cool everywhere. Man, I was like Camel's the best. I mean, I mean, yeah, we're just killing people. But I met my wife, and I'm in, I'm in Chile, so it's a slippery slope. As an athlete who's broke and doesn't have many choices, how do I feed myself? I do really appreciate the chutzpah and the sense of self identity that Matt could have gone as long as he wanted. I. You know, I don't know if his body was doing something different. I, who knows? It doesn't matter. The fact that he was like, oh, I got out of this what I need. So much respect. Um, and to your point, I think we haven't done a good job of laying the breadcrumbs for what do I do afterwards, right? Camille, uh, look at all the, the past champions. And it is, do, you know, Rich loves to train. So you have to understand about Rich, and Rich is a good friend of mine he will train this way because it's how he self-medicates and how he loves to train because it's what he loves to do. Rich is the greatest training partner, one of the greatest training partners I've ever had because he's down to do whatever you want to do. He's down at any time in the day. Like we were, would train in the morning. I'm like coaching in 11. 100%. I'm, yeah. And I'm like... He's like, man, I think about going to the gym. I'm like, good, let's go do some rowing and some heavy cleans. He's like, I'm so in. And, like, it's the two of us at 11 o'clock at night just training in this gym. And I'm like, dude, this is the greatest, right? Um, I did this workout with him and Dan Bailey once where it was after dinner, we went out to the gym and I was like, We're gonna go till someone wants to stop. And I was like, What am I doing? <laughs> and it was like heavy cleans with a med ball. You're like, So heavy. we're going until I say we're gonna <laughs> That's stop. Right. Yeah. That's right. I'm bored. Yeah, you guys bored? I'm bored. I'm good. You guys good? And it was so great. They did way more reps than I did. They did way faster than I did. And then we're all at one point we're like, good, good, good. Um so you have to understand that, you know, Rich is one of the few people who has created maybe not business lines that are so clearly but, it, but mayhem is a machine an incredible machine the what brand Rory's it, yeah. doing is doing is unbelievable and if you have to look at training with Rich as a program all of these other things that he does and that he's, he has created a second life every professional athlete is going to retire twice you're going to retire from your sport and then you have to retire from the job you did after your sport <laughs> because the very few of them ever make enough money to really to retire completely you just don't you just take, it. It, it takes so much money to do that um Force Griffin, another fighter, is a friend of ours, and someone was interviewing him, and they were like, what's it like to be a millionaire? And he's like, oh, no, 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 I'm a millionaire, I have a few millions, that's not the same thing as being a millionaire, that's not the same thing, he still drives the car that Dana gave him for winning Ultimate Fighter, which is like a Scion XB, he drives that still, right, he has a Range Rover, and lives in a house in Vegas, but he still drives that car, and he still works, so... What I really appreciate that Matt did, and I think Matt actually could have done it better, he could have taken his last year and launched a channel with Sammy feeding the Frasers and started, but I, th- but also that guy was really busy doing something else. He like yeah. the best in the world. But what we should be looking at is, you know, who he partnered with. Uh, Steffi and Hayden are two of the greatest people on the planet of of hybrid athletics. He went right to them. They've created this super you know, thing, and those guys are great humans, Um, and then the breadcrumb is, if you're a champion, you should be figuring out how to do that, you know, Annie always had a gym, I think it's easy to forget that Annie owned CrossFit, you know, Reykjavik, and so she always had a kind of a, a plan in the background, but a lot of people don't, and that is a testament to how young our sport was, and that we're making the same mistakes a thousand times, that
0: we're not using this opportunity to set ourselves up for another business, or seed something else, I've been really interested watching that business model. The easy, the, no, I don't want to say easy and I don't mean it like that, but the, the, the one that makes the most sense for those individuals is the, program, the online programming model. And it's, it's super so competitive. It's super competitive. Uh, I, people I'm, are really good at it. Oh yeah, I'm, like, I'm going up uh, after you as the next month I'm doing uh, Portland. I'm going to be going up there to see street parking, right? You know, 30,000 people enrolled per month awesome. in their online program. It's just insane to see those kind of things. But the one thing that's very cool it means there's more autonomous fitnessers in the world because yeah. previously, just get a gym. A gym is when you need that coaching one-on-one, which there's so many of us do. But the fact that online programming has really exploded, and I don't even just give the, the hat tip to 2020 and COVID and the pandemic, no. but it's just more that there are more self-aware fitnessers because there were 16,000 little mini education autonomous. centers. Yeah. Like
1: I, I don't always need someone to teach me in front Yeah. I'm good. Right? You're, you're absolutely right. And, the, and, you know, it's something that we always did at the gym was where I was always like, look, you have to have a barbell and some kettlebells and a rower at home. It takes this much space in your house, but you have to have that autonomy. So come to the gym when you need coaching and inspiration and community, but also you need to fucking grind it out a little bit on your own. Like, you're, we've taught you to do this, and that was CrossFit's mission from day one. So now expand on that. We have Rogue, who can feed the beast all the time with our home kit, Right? And then look at the expression of Jason Kalipa. NC Fit is yep. great programming. Look at Mayhem, great programs, Street parking. like There are really good, dense programs out there. If you know enough, and people are dangerous enough. And I mean dangerous enough, they're not going to hurt themselves. I mean like they know how to swing a kettlebell sure. do a burpee. Like, you know, t- pump the brakes. So really it gets the next question is what are we coming to the gym for? What are the opportunities there? Why are people there? They're coming there for community and really coaching. That, yeah. and that's right. And to your point also, it really does lead. It's it's harder and harder and harder. Because if all of these former champions have their online programming, Ben Smith and everyone else, you now are in an attention economy. And you either have to have some bonafides, or you know, or shout at the system. You know, I was like, "Oh, Tia's in this game now," and it was Shane. And like, I was like, whew. Like, you he, need to
0: carve out a niche that is so that n- they can't touch because they're not that. If you if you want to have that, like, if you wanted to start a program for guys who can clean but they can't clean with the right wrist. That, I would exact,
1: that is exactly <laughs> there right. go and look. Look what um, Miranda did. Yeah. She went deep on. Facebook community, you know, in, like they're, they're so deep on the chat on, on serving this demographic of working families
0: and they killed it. Uh, their, right. Their newest thing. I don't know if you've seen the office skits that Julian writes. He writes legit comedic They look like so the office good. It's because comedy was one thing from a marketing perspective that fitness, no business in fitness ever really latched onto. When we think of the majority of the videos we enjoy on the internet, the ones that don't promote rage and anger, they're comedy, they make us laugh. There has not really been a fitness brand besides, like, maybe like Bro Science, but that wasn't really fitness. That was just, you know, parody that has really been able to embody comedy. And I'll text Miranda, I'm like, that last skit literally had me almost piss myself. It's so it's, good. It's amazing. We uh, we really,
1: you know, it's one of the ways that I, everyone can hear this, that you can show your personality. Like, all the smart people I know are wickedly funny. Yeah. They're f- dry and funny, and they can take the piss and give the piss. and And that's not shit-talking. That's different, right? It's like this is all really funny and there are so many places and even we one of the the allegories for this is uh, watching april fools i do i do enjoy fitness has a unique take on april fools everyone tries to do something and and um you know thank goodness there's more humor in this because it really like sometimes i'm like oh really we're going to 78.2% of your one rep max on a thursday like <laughs> in october okay. okay okay like a b you know yeah, yeah. and um i think we sucked out the joy out of the gym for a minute we got so serious and and I think that is a normal expression of the system. I don't think that that was an error. I think that's just the system it running was its loose, thing. It gets real tight. That's right. And then now we're, we're so sophisticated. And I'm like, and Okay, okay, okay. Remember when it was just fun to go mess around the gym sure. for an hour? Not do your 17 programs and stay on your thing. You know, I was just on a friend's podcast, Matt Vincent. And I was like, I, I challenged all the coaches who are listening to do this. Some coach that you're friends with and work out with, they're gonna do the cooking, and you're gonna eat whatever they cook, and shut up. And it doesn't matter; it's not gonna ruin your program, and you're not gonna get off your cycle. Just do whatever it is. If so they're like, "We're doing cable crossovers and bench press, it's all do the it. sets. Do it, do it, do it, do it, do it." Like the things you hate. Oh, we're we're on two by twenty k. Okay, all right. I didn't realize we're doing that today. I'm gonna smoke you when it's my turn. But shut up and do and be coached, and just go for a ride. Yeah. Go play around. It's like
0: it's like a programming horse. Yeah, you take a shot, That's I take a right. shit. I yeah.
1: think I think. You know, difficult to make long. You know, the 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 knock on CrossFit Forever was that it was like, you know, isn't just a bunch of random shit. I love Joe being all like, oh, isn't just CrossFit just random? You know, Jillian Michaels like you just do ten moves. For, I was like, it's not, it's not Iyengar or not uh, Iyengar. It's uh, what is the hot yoga, stinky yoga?
0: Oh, uh, a re- um, the,
1: the hot they, one, you? Yeah, you know the, the guy. Re- yeah, the one,
0: I, the horrible. Uh, yeah, that's Arikana, re- yeah, not Arikana. Re- yeah, re- yeah, um, but uh, Buddha. Um, I Bur- can believe- Bikram. Bikram, 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 thank Bikram thank
1: that's it. People love Bikram. Because it was the same ten moves in the same sequence. And then you were like, well, I could be really good at these ten moves. Yeah. I can practice. It's that's not what it is. A good yoga coach comes in and was like, Oh, I see you sucking on rotation or you're sucking at hip extension. Guess what we're doing today? Suck it. Right? You that's what you that's why yoga is one of the best things. This is one of the coached environments. But what they did was rip out all the coaching out of the, the room. right? You you got coaching those the sequences. That happens in CrossFit a little bit. It happens in the gym a little bit where we're so serious and we need to get so much density. This is what people say the best hour of the day. So let's get back to playing and exposing a little bit more, especially if we're in GPP kind of land
0: where it doesn't matter. Yeah. It just doesn't matter. I I cuz I have to play on the other side of that. I, I work with a gym that there's there's a little bit too much there's play in the gym and that play extends mm. over into the business side and it, listen, at the end of the day there's a P&L at the, at the end oh, of the yeah, day, oh, you yeah. know? So as long as the play doesn't interfere with, you know, like my I, I used to hate the open because I'd have a client oh, yeah. and for five fucking weeks out of the year, oh, five no. weeks which is a hey, not Can small, we just yeah. thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh
1: yeah, the open born on the back of small CrossFit gyms who felt bullied and compelled and gave their clients wrapped because it was an infinite workout that they had to finish, you're gonna do 10,000 burpees and thrusters, yeah. and we sent two people to the hospital. Thanks very much. Yeah. Right. And uh, there's no way, to, no way to prevent that. So I agree with that. You know, I, one one things I sell my my I have two daughters. One's 16. One's 13. Did you purposely name them after states? No. Okay. You dick. <laughs> um, Georgia is Juliet's grandmother. Okay. And Carol is my grandmother. Okay so they're both they're, after grandmas after grandmas and Oli- the grandmas were named after states after states, <laughs> uh they uh in fact i met juliette and literally we made out and then like that first night, she's like if we have a daughter we're naming her georgia and i was like all right Boom. good talk and that's true um i tell them that smart kids smart girls have the most fun and what that means is handle your work play a perfect game break all the rules you'll Everyone will cut you all the slack. If you have A's and you're interested and pay attention, and do what you need to do, then you can take all the time off and get all the extensions and do whatever you need and bend the rules. So in business, you have to handle the basics. Then you can have all the fun. And I think people want to put other way around. And it, and it works
0: for a while until
1: it doesn't work anymore,
0: right? In 2020, we talked about this when, I had, when I, we did the Zoom podcast. The, the rise of digital Right, and you guys have been—I mean, and I know this was post uh, the closing of San Francisco, CrossFit San Francisco—but you guys could—you guys were making content for the Mobility Wad and then the Ready State like crazy. You guys could have turned on some kind of remote fitness video kind of scenario. Sure. The one thing that caught me off guard: a lot of CrossFit affiliates kind of—they didn't like the digital thing. And then there was a reminder for those of us that come from old school. I found CrossFit in Five Oh Six. CrossFit started as an online remote program, a fit an online fitness that's program, really and then it became a brick and mortar. Everyone was like, "Oh, we were all brick and mortars." CrossFit's brick and mortar, and now we have now all these online really programming people. I'm like, "No, no, no, brother, it was the wrong." I know you maybe haven't been here long enough to get the history. You book were doing for it for you. by yourself, yeah, in a garage, 100. And then you were just ha- making was, internet friends with James box, Fitzgerald and Anthony. Three boxes. Yeah, it, it, it's absolutely crazy. But with where it is now with digital, and obviously that's what the ready the ready states. You guys are. All digital. Are you guys in person with any functions yet or any seminars? Uh, we have, you know, we've put, I think,
1: close to 20,000 people through our level one course. Um, we Since a, inception? Since inception. Okay. Um, you know, we've been doing some, we've just moved our 102, our assessment course, with a formal assessment course. That now is a six week course where you get dripped out and then you have office hours with us once a week. And so, it's kind of, kind of a hybrid. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And then what we'll do as soon as we can, we will do some kind of hybrid. Because right now, like, for example, in, we shut our one or two cohort off at 60 athletes, 60 coaches. Because we just were like, we want it to be so dense and they can, you know, it starts to become unmanageable at scale. But uh, probably a third are international or more, you know, all over the world. and. And because we are digital international, we can capture everyone who couldn't come travel because sure. it's so expensive. So I think we have 12 countries represented right now in our current
0: cohort. How would you grade your digital product versus if you could go in person and you could scale yourself to go to mm. New Delhi whatever. We whatever? Um, that's a really good question.
1: You know, ideally, you know, one of my first uh, pain points with CrossFit was that I had this one day course and it was the number one SME killed and I had too much to talk about in one day. And it was too much. It was did a Did you push host. for it to make it two days? Oh like the yeah. le- Level one and two? And I really pushed for it, and they were not into it. And I think, for whatever reason, um, I can only speculate, um, money being probably a large driver, it was a big cash cow It was a two-day.
0: You could have charged the same amount that they do per the level one. I usually taught one on Saturday and one on Sunday.
1: Right? So I did these two things back-to-back. Back. But I was like, hey, I want to move this one-on-one online because I feel like I, people can't absorb it enough. And I got so good at it. And people were coming who were beginners and people who had seen every video and read the book and everything else and me trying to stitch that together in one co- coherent, you know, cogent day for people was a lot. Because people would be like, I have been, I've done every mobilization, watched every video I've ever done. And then people were like, what's your leg? What was the leg again? And I was like, okay, that's a lot. So we wanted to move it online because we realized there was so much more I wanted to add to that, that course. And so now what I'll say is because we were rooted in person, because there's no substitute for being in one place, and the world has changed even in in-person courses. I mean, CrossFit started putting up courses in line. Like, Perform Better would do its summits, but CrossFit was like one of the first groups. It was like, come for a day, learn this. We hosted the first like CrossFit you know, uh, Rob Wolf's class. We hosted the first, uh, you know, power athletes. We did the first one with Rob Rob uh, Orlando. Like, we hosted and test drove a lot of those. And it, that was really an amazing, heady time. And all of a sudden, there's 10,000 courses. And that's just now a glutted... Super glutted, right? I mean, it was Mike Bergner's course or nothing, and now all of a sudden you're like, well, who do I want? I want to go with Chinese. I want to go with mom. in
0: Charlotte. To- Glenn Pendley opened up. Uh, Pendle, you know, the uh, muscle driver, the yeah. equipment company. I mean, literally there was an Olympic. I mean, he had his little team of weightlifters, and he had a different Olympic weightlifting. Well, those athletes would just hit different crosser gyms. There was a different Olympic weightlifting cert yeah. every weekend That's for right. four years. For four years. It was just, just like, sure. I was like, okay, well,
1: we can't go to the well as many times. So yeah. what we realized is that, like, you know, what, where would you travel to? Okay, it's less and less, and it's so glutted, and people that shyness is worn off. So, we have to be able to deliver that information other places. So, we, we've been in this digital space for a minute, and then what we've realized is that we can actually do a better job of micro learning. So, we, you know, our, our live in person course for two days is, like, they're, like, 10-hour days, and I usually start in the morning early, for, and we train together, and if there's a pool, we do pool sessions afterwards, and we try to, I'm just, like, I want to over-deliver. De- over like, you've spent all this money to come see me. I'm going to blow your fucking face off. Like, I will never, I don't even take lunch. Let's go. Like, I don't need to, like, you know, hide. I'll stay here until you're, you can't take it anymore, and that's what was our, that was our commitment, and then people were just had their, you know, being rocked, So then what we ended up doing is realizing that, man, if we can give these little drips out and then sum up, then it was much more manageable. We had much better adherence, much better integration of the material. And then I think we'll bring people back in terms of camps and and, and try to support. Because, again, there's no substitution for being in this. This magic is magic. And as long as you are engaged in a virtual program and you're not in a you know, bunker somewhere in Antarctica, you need to go train with other people. And guess what? Jesus said that. Muhammad said that. Buddha said that. You ha- He's like, it's great you pray by yourself. That's really what Jesus said, but magic happens when there's more than one person together at the same time, right? And I was like, well, weird. It's almost like we've been talking about yeah. this for as long as there have been people. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So I think. great, but have you tried sex?
1: <laughs> yeah, it's right. It really is. And I think, um, you know, we're figuring all this out. Like this experiment, it just seems like it's it's always been around. It has not been around here. You know, for 50, 20 years ago, none of this existed. And I think it's such an emergent and still nascent system that we're still figuring it out. And it's okay that we're going to kind of swing one way and then we'll swing the other way. I think the games have fine a nice equilibrium instead of being all
0: encompassing, obsessing. I think we're all like, oh, the games are amazing for this group of people. For the Ready State, how much of the business portfolio is that? Is the online, the certifying, the 20000 and how much is like... When you go and the all blacks want you, is that a separate LLC? Is that all entwined in the ready state? How like how does that work from an actual business? I know mm. Juliet's probably like that's her realm, right? As CEO, w- but. we
1: uh, yeah for sure. Um, but you know our big biggest you know piece is our online subscription service, and uh, shout out to Juliet because uh, we are one of the first businesses and fitness to have a subscription service. So everyone else, model, welcome, you've been copying us, right? Even CrossFit. Dave gave me a lot of shit when we started charging. He's like, well, we're free and everything's free. And I was like, is it? You know, the $25 and now it's free and then they went back and started charging for it again because they realized it costs money to put this stuff out, right? So it was like the New York Times and then the Ready State. And we thought we'd lose everyone asking them to pay but we could do more and more. So that's a huge chunk. Um, And then you have to see everything else It's like Constellation. So we have... I do consulting, we have product sponsors, we have products, we do courses, um, and suddenly, you know, it's, I'm a little, sometimes when I talk to people on the airplane, they're like, what do you do? I'm like, I'm like a celebrity chef, but it's fitness, right? So, I like, I make pots and pans, and I teach people how to make pots and pans, and I have a cooking show, and then you can subscribe to my cooking channel, and, right, we do all of these things, and, but the, you know, the VMC, the virtual mobility coach, where you can have access and uh, I'm super stoked. We, um, one of the things that happens, I think, with a lot of legacy businesses, because we are the content king, like we or the you know the, the creation king. We created this vertical, and then now that we have competitors because it makes everyone better, and that's good. Um, but they came in and were able to draft and walk in behind us a little bit. We broke a lot of ground, and the allegory is, you know, we'd have coaches. Used to be with us and be like, "You guys used to be on Yahoo. Like, what's Yahoo?" And we're like, "Well, there's no Gmail when we opened. Jerk, right?" So it takes a minute to turn. Yeah. Like, and if you can relate to this, if you're on MindBody, Body, someone's like, "Come on in and leave my body." I'm like, oh, "Like, I have to pour I it ju- over." They,
0: I just made them do that recently. Uh, they, they were not happy. Yeah,
1: I'm like, "You're gonna set up all my, uh, <laughs> all the recurrent billing and all <laughs> like." So appreciate. The, when there's a company that's been doing things for a long time, it takes a minute to pivot. Yeah. Right? It's just hard to change that ship. It's turning into Titanic. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And all the all the systems and it's just you can't possibly imagine how sophisticated it is. Our day to day meeting is eleven people. When we have like that's, you know, the race state plus all of the SEO people and all the other, you know, but our core group is eleven full time employees to run this little mom and pop, you know, stretching show. And um, you know, we just launched a brand new app. Just soft-launched it like mm, two days ago. Like
0: native to iOS and Android.
1: <sighs> and built it from the ground up scratch. And I'm so stoked because that's another pivot. You need to make sure that, like, our desktop experience is pretty rad, but our wireframed out app wasn't very as good as we'd want it to be. And people, everyone has a phone, and that phone goes with everywhere. And if you haven't, can't deliver it, isn't rad in that phone, you're losing business. It's a big, big driver. So, like all these other businesses, we get to... Go out, have the best content, the best crack, but it's taken us a second to just also be like, okay, let's turn the whole ship around and and get caught up. It's much easier to start from scratch on those things.
0: Do you have a what? What's the goal with the Ready to State as a business? Do you guys have a not even not a mission, but like a a target? What are you aiming for? Is it a number? Is it a what is that? Because mm, that's like a good goal. Because you guys coming in again, it's you have new information, but a lot of it is trying to ex- get this current information that you have may be very similar to stuff you said ten years ago oh, to yeah. new audiences. Yeah. And eventually you're kind of cooking the same thing. And it but for you guys, what do you see as the main mission and, and the goal of the business? Is it to, are you gonna is I it think it's a, is is it a is it you, like
1: Yeah I'd, you know someday here's what we've seen of late. You know, I'm um I can talk about now I've been working with Amazon for the last two years on a computer vision project which launches in June. And um, Amazon has a new wearable called Halo right, and uh, s- track motion sleep, the whole thing, it's, it's it's good, and they approached me and said, hey, Kelly, we want to do some movement health, but we're not sure what we should look at and how to do it, and they had some really great people involved, one was a former athlete, and you can set up your phone, it'll watch you move, and they give you correctives, right, it's not, we don't do corrective exercises, we have mobilizations and movements and training, but corrective exercises is like a, a scaled-down version, right, of something, but, Here's a big company taking a crack at saying, you should have hip flexion. You should be able to extend your hip. And what I didn't want them to do was to fuck it up. It's like, here we have biggest pockets ever taking a crack at telling the world you should have some dorsal flexion. You should be able to squat. That is a revolution and a really a big opportunity. To, so I'm the face of that. Wait till you see me all over the face of this app doing all the video, like Amazon Face Kelly stuff. I knew him when. (laughs) Same bold guy. (laughs) Uh, But what's interesting is Tonal. We were talking about, we have a Tonal on the wall they gave us. Um, There's Tempo now out there. Look at the mirror. All of these tech companies are suddenly realized they're content companies. And guess what our community has been doing for 15 years and who's the best in the world. No one is better at this than this original CrossFit. And they're, of course, Look at hybrid, they're great. I mean, don't I'm, I'm sure. not just I'm not trying to poop on anyone. What I'm trying to say is that there are people in our community who are really savvy at this, and what I suspect is going to happen is that some of these big companies like Nike, um, Amazon, Apple, they're going to be like, holy crap, look at what we have here, and they're going to go start buying and integrating. You know, because they're, they're shareholders or stakeholders in, in health. And as long as the Apple Watch is a product that the people are starting to pay attention to, you know, do I think you need to look at your watch for push-up technique? Eh, that's maybe not a great yeah. use of that, right? And I had a lot of conversations with Amazon where they were like, I, you know, some Israeli programmer was like, I want to use this to tell me how many push-ups I should do today. And I was like, you don't understand anything right like that's not how this works at all but we can tell you if you can do a push up or you have enough shoulder extensions are so you wearable
0: tech like if you mess around with tech wearables is that all is that is that's a watch that I wear an analog watch that's
1: my tech. that's it that okay that's it yeah
0: yeah um you know
1: we've played with them all uh, i'm a huge fan of whoop whoop changes behavior it it gets people uh you know one of our staff members who's um you know we were like you know, we've been telling her for a long time she doesn't move enough. She exercises, trains, but she doesn't move enough. She got an Apple Watch, and all of a sudden she was like, holy crap. Now it's completely changed her behavior. Sleep has changed because of this work. It gives us a chance to, to quantify. For example, I might not use it, but there's, my wife is obsessed, so I get to kind of draft some of that stuff. But if you work with me and you have chronic pain or persistent pain and you don't track sleep, I won't work with you because I can't tell sure. what's what. And I need, to, I need to see if you're sleeping or not because – all of our interventions don't yeah, work. you're not
0: getting eight work. hours of sleep, I don't even, yeah, I came not even it's, it's all
1: horseshit. So that's how I think we can use this. I don't need my watch to t- tell me how to feel. A long time ago, I was work. I was trained to paddle the Molokai, the Solo. Molokai, the kid from Sheldon of the Corn? Same, same, but a d- little different. <laughs> Tentacle end, big difference. Um, you paddle from Molokai, the island of Molokai, to Oahu. You paddle across the, the How channel. far is that? It's 50 kilometers of open ocean paddling. And uh, so I've done it a couple times, and uh, I was training up for it. Brian McKenzie's doing my programming, and um, uh, it's a pretty good guy to help you with programming. And um, I was using and playing with early heart rate variability monitor called Omega Wave. And I would put this strap on and set up to my phone and have these leads that went to my head and my hand, and I'd be up, and I'd have to lay quietly and manner to my breathing. And then my wife would be like, we have to get our kids out to school, and then it wouldn't pick up. And I was like, ah, and we'd go this thing. And uh, Brian would say, before you see the results, just check in with yourself and ask, how good do you feel on a scale of 1 to 10? And I was always exactly what the machine told me, Right? I feel like shit. Oh, the machine says I feel like shit. I feel really good. The machine tells me I feel really good. So we just don't want to surrogate out. But again, I'm such a fan of anything that changes behavior, I'm in. Because that's how we... We have to change some fundamental human behavior. So um, do I use these wearables? No, but everyone has a phone. That's a wearable because it's in your pocket all the time. And it tracks your steps and can help you move and remind you to sleep and drink some water. I'm starting to be in there, right? And especially looking at you know, these issues of social justice right now because we have to ask who has access to all this. Like, we've gotten really sophisticated about eating and training, but we're not helping 99% of the population
0: with that. So let's go from the tech side, the advanced side, to the most analog side, the book. I want to talk about, at that stage you wrote Supple Leopard. Walk me through this just actually, like, I want actual tactics on this. You decide you're going to write a book. Do you call a publishing company? Do you call a book writing we consultant? Don't, so like, do you, we don't, such a We don't
1: call... I never call anyone. I've never knocked on a door or called anyone. People knock on our doors. Um, you know, people, people are like, we, some, Juliet's in a bunch of masterminds and and um, people I say, well, like, hey, how do you get on podcasts? And she's like, I don't know, people just call us. You know, I want to be on your podcast. I'm like, it's not how it works. You know, <laughs> it's, it's not how it works. You know, your friends will find you. You know, do something really interesting. I, I hate to say that, sounds sounds so trite. Do, be, be fucking awesome, do something interesting and there'll be plenty of times to talk about it. Really, I swear to God, that's it. Right or start it yourself and talk to people. You know, really. Um, so, Rob Wolf wrote a book. Yep, right? Solution. And I can't tell you how ahead of the time that was because no one had a book and it was the first time. And he made the New York Times bestseller list. I remember talking to Rob on the phone. The I was at an airport going to teach somewhere and he just made the New York Times bestseller. I was like, one of my friends wrote a book that made the New York Times. Like that was like one of my friends ran a two minute mile and did a 30-second Fran. Like, that was what that was. Like, I was m- shocked. And then his publisher reached out, Victory Belt, and they were like, hey, we'd like you to write a book about what you're doing. I'd already been teaching a ton, and I already had a framework for this because I was teaching people. So Supple Leopard is the course. That's what it is. Plus, a little bit more. But it's, it was the course. And so I had this whole framework for how I was trying to help people understand complex movement. And... Um, You know, Juliet and I were like, totally, we'll sign it. So we signed this deal. We didn't, no one we knew. We didn't get the best deal. We didn't, we weren't very, but it was also, who's going to buy a $60 book about squatting? Like, it's not, it's not really, not given. It wasn't a success, right? There's no, no sexy women in there. And um, for like, I think for six months, we kind of sat down and kind of toyed with it or three months. And I was like, man, Juliet, we don't even own a camera. How do we take photos and lay this out? So Glenn Cordoza, was my co-writer in that book. And Glenn worked for the company and he had written and ghost and written and co-written a ton of martial arts books for like Kung Le and like some serious people. And uh, Glenn was at a time in his life where he wasn't, he had a girlfriend but did not have baby, nothing. And he came and lived at my house. And we spent he became a brother and the two of us sat down and i beautiful mind this and i would write and he would write and he he'd transcribe and we would edit and and that's and the three of us just did that with juliet how long that process take year and a half it was it was burly um and again we didn't have an advance we didn't do that like there's no like i was like this needs to be done there's that there's the megalomania that the the maniac and then we had the most cheerful, enthusiastic, stoked community ever called CrossFit, who was like, we have your back because you have our back. And they showed up for us. They pre-ordered. They And that book changed my life. You know, and we put a second edition out. Uh, the thing came out in uh, 2013. So we're creeping up on a 10-year anniversary of that book. How crazy is that? Yeah. We're working on a 10-year anniversary book edition of it. It sold 600,000 copies uh, that's the conservative estimate, which is dumb. It's just ridiculous. And it has opened a million doors, you know, because people find it and, and it's ideas and there's nothing in there that's wrong. There's some things that are dated that were just aren't as effective as what we understand now because we've been
0: practicing. Sure.
1: You know, like, like here's a critique of CrossFit. Um, Greg's program, the original level one, is was amazing 20 years ago, 15 years ago. But they codified it because to get it accredited, they had to set it in stone which means it didn't have a chance. And I understand their their reticence about getting it re-accredited would also make me super queasy, because that was like a full-time job for Nicole and a whole staff for a long time. But that thing is, I just took my level one again. Guess what? There's no hip extension in the nine essential movements. There's not a single hip extension movement. There's no shoulder extension there. You think that's important? If you do CrossFit, of course you're going to lunge and run and extend your hip, right? I'm not talking about like staying from a squat. I'm talking about taking your hip with your knees behind your butt, right? Hip extension. So there are some holes. In the level one, but there were no holes 15 years ago when we were starting that, or 16 or 17 years ago. It was the it was it was the thing. So let's just you know, it's the same thing. Like the FMS is a great functional movement screen. Yeah. Came out in 1996. Can I see your cell phone that you're still using from 1996? Right. So I'm like, what car you drive from 1996? No one has that tech. So quit banging on that. In 96, that was fucking hot. Right, and that blew people's minds and 16 years ago the level one was a revolution it absolutely was and I just again I just went through it they did an amazing job of creating a digital content or in the internet I was on with an amazing coach from South America who did this you know, he was in Colombia and taught remotely in Colombia, and he was enthusiastic and amazing. And I was like, dude, it's the same material that I had when I taught this with Dave and Greg and Nicole a million years ago. So there's time for that to evolve. And I think my critique is. All fitness and all strength and conditioning needs to evolve. It doesn't have to mean that it has to become – we don't need to stop squatting because there's some new hip thrust machine. But how we teach about it can evolve. So that's what we've been trying to do is continue to evolve our
0: practice because we're users. That was a a moment for me. I was in college around 2006, and I was doing an internship with the CSCS. I would go to a Velocity Sports Mm. Performance in Nashville, Tennessee, and I would go and they would just give me grunt work, and I'd work with little athletes, kids mainly, for 40 hours a week on paid. But my, wow, you learned so much. Yeah. I mean, well, I remember, I remember them giving me the, the book. I mean, that was part of the thing. You come and do this, and we'll pay for your CSCS. I'm like, that's dope. I want to I have graduate school on in middle Tennessee State. Yeah.
1: How's this Fick equation helping my children?
0: Dude, it, that book was so dated because they gave me two copies. They're like, we have an older one. I don't know. It was edition eight. They gave me edition nine, whatever was the newest one the exact same fucking thing. And I remember like putting down my level one that I printed inside of the school, you know, pr- you know the, the library in college. I took my level one in 2006, I think, or something oh, like that. you had your mind blown. And it was just like this, and again, it, it was only this thick, but this fucking book that it, technically I would have had to pay $400 for was this thick. And I was just could not be blown away. The... Everything was so outdated. There's not even an ounce in that CSCS book to even update an ounce of it. And that's when I think I really scholastically fell in love with what CrossFit had put together. I read the
1: the first journals that Greg put out or PDFs that come out once a month. PDF. And um, I would live and die by those. And I think I got them on the seventh journal. and. And even then, you know, I remember being at Mike Bergner's Olympic lifting seminar where I was volunteering. I think I told you I'd fly down and coach would let me be assistant, which meant I got to shut the fuck up, carry weights, get coffee, and listen. It you was sleep on someone's couch. Dude, yeah. It didn't matter. But Greg showed up, and one of the things that used to be, is in order to be an affiliate, you had to have a link to the CrossFit Journal. It was part of like, your thing. Yeah, on and you your had website. to you had to show it so you could link it because it was twenty five bucks a month to to me, which was. A lot of money back then for me when I had no money. But um, those things were the most valuable things I read. I read them cover to cover. I memorized them. I printed them out. I had them. Um, and then I remember Greg saying, you know, that was a million-dollar property. So a million years ago in 2007, he's like he was making a million dollars a year off of that. And I remember being like, holy crap. This guy has figured something out about scale. And like that's how head he was then. And now... If you got a PDF in the mail, you'd be like, seriously, a PDF? Yeah.
0: You know, it's just it's just old tech. It's old tech. Let's talk about Greg for a second. Your interactions with him, obviously. Um oh I, I don't want to speak for you, I'll let you go. When the the things came out in the summer, uh with everything, the the PR nightmare of twenty twenty, what was your immediate reaction? Someone who was you were pretty close to the ecosystem in the sun. What was your were you surprised? Were you not were you were you not surprised? Was this so you always have to understand when you're hearing
1: someone, I'm not equivocating here or, or dodging people grew up and have known each other for 20 years. And so like, like tell me about what's going on with your family right now. Okay. We well, need to go back to Thanksgiving 89, right? When uncle Ted got drunk, like that's where we need to be. And, uh, what I'll say is I had great disappointment, hugely disappointed. Um, look, uh, when you're the only game in town and the hottest game in town, you can do a lot, and you can really crush people, consciously and unconsciously. If you got excommunicated, which many of us did, um, it was it was a wasteland. And you know, uh, one of the things that I knew was that I could be successful without the CrossFit ecosystem pressure, right? I didn't I didn't need that. I knew that I had enough to eat, you know, when we took our course out, I didn't go back into CrossFit for a year. I did not teach in a CrossFit gym for a year. I taught other places, because I thought, I saw people who were like, CrossFit sucks, and then they break up with CrossFit, and then they go right back into CrossFit gyms, and I was like, Mm-mm, that's too bad, and I was a CrossFit. I still owned a CrossFit gym, so when all that happened, well, I'd say it was just, well, lost opportunity, but we shouldn't be surprised. That was a normal expression of that system. Um, you know, I think the, all there's a lot of behaviors there that were written off because of the good of that we were doing and I think we've seen that before with Harvey Weinstein and we've seen that before with Nexium and we've seen that before with I mean I think you can you can choose a lot there are a lot of things about CrossFit that makes it a religion and it makes it like a cult and I'm not trying to say we're a part of a cult I'm not don't take umbrage to this what I'm saying is that we have fanatical people who this this company changed my life. All my friends, we're sitting here because of CrossFit, right? This whole gym, the whole thing. So, what I I think what we saw was, one was, wow, my gym is closed. My my legacy business of fifteen years is closed um, because of COVID, and now I'm putting out fires, having to manage. I've already had to have conversations about people about why we're handing out Glocks after school shootings at the CrossFit Games? Why is Dave Castro wearing a gun at the ranch during a a running competition? Why are there statements about HIV and AIDS on the site? Why are, why is there a climate denial paper on the site? Why are, you know, I mean, there's, there was plenty of things where we were like, hey, look, the politics are the side and it's a privately owned company and you can walk away. But what we did was we, a lot of us engaged in a lot of gymnastics because the thing is so good, right? And the community is so good and the methodology is so good and the positivity out of that, but you can't escape That, you know, and I was on the first call that Greg did with all the affiliates and, you know, where they went around and called everyone and and talked about it. And, you know, about
0: the, we're talking about the tweet. Mm -hmm.
1: No, not the tweet. I'm talking about some of the other things he said. Okay. Right. But, you know, what I want to remind everyone was that this is Greg's privately owned company. He can say whatever he wants and do whatever he wants because it was his company. It's okay. I can run my company the way I want to. And so I really respect that. And what I chose to do is not comment on her, right? Because I was like, I'm going to take what with the good. But all of a sudden, you know, when cancel culture, what's the right thing to do, you know, it, it made my life very, very difficult. And what I would say is, wow, how much of this behavior have we just undone in our, in our Goodwill that we're trying to do. You know, recently um, we've even heard Savan say it. We've heard uh, Craig Howard say it. You know, um, man, we probably could have done better in America if we were a little bit more insulin sensitive, not so obese. And they're like, Look, "We've already had the. Uh, we already had the solution. We've had it for. Why aren't you paying attention to it?" And I'm like, "Well." We're, pretty, we're kind of our lily-white organization. Uh, we haven't done a great job with diversity and inclusion. Um, look at the, the thing that took Greg down. Uh, look at how we've turned off. I mean, I was like, you know, we've kind of shot ourselves
0: in the foot. You truly have the solution to the most vexing problem in the world. The, the delivery method you have is, is not as widely adopted for many reasons. You know, this thing was so powerfully true
1: that, and Greg was such a, a talent complicated person. We'll just leave it that's complicated. But he knew that if you let communities work in their own ways, then, and there were problems with that. It would be the CrossFit down the street gutting this CrossFit, right? You'd be like, screw you, I'm going to start my own gym and it's next door, right? I'm taking all my people. And then then that, you know, there were problems with that. And is, ownership of an area the best way i i I think it's i think they chose a solution to let crossfit go wild and then suddenly there was a glut and like there was a crossfit everywhere how many crossfits were in that greater metropolitan denver area at one point like you remember that that's that that stat it was insane especially in light industrial warehouses so i think we were protected a little bit in san francisco because the rents were so insane but simultaneously the the smartness, you know, the trains have a saying, the emperor is far from the field. And I think the great thing is that CrossFit HQ was a separate thing from what it meant to be. But the problem was, as long as those faces and associations were always there, we always had to explain that away. And that was that was a pain in the ass as a, as a business owner. Comma, that, guess what? That's a choice. I could have left CrossFit any time. So what I chose not to do is throw a tantrum, I could have left. And that's what we did with when our relationship, business relationship, became untenable with our courses, we just took our courses out. And you know what we said? Thank you very much. And when you know what I didn't do? Throw a big public hissy fit. And I didn't need to step on anyone or shout or, you know, and and there was I think it was real concern that I would just raise hell. And that they didn't necessarily badmouth me publicly, I didn't badmouth them publicly. And then we kind of had a neutral truce zone. You know, I'm friends with Dave still, like we are fine. And comma Again, as a big boy, big girl, anyone who disagreed with the company could have left any time.
0: I think in the affiliate world, and I was, go ahead. And I'll just say,
1: there's some ugly ass, shitty behavior where we expect better. That's what I'll say, right? So there's a whole lot of things that are really bad, and yet, you know, how do you counteract with the good? Um, Watch any of the documentaries that Ed Burns does, and where we start telling the whole story, and what you realize is that it's complicated. It's complex, right? There, are th- It's nuance. And I think that's the problem is we've lost this nuance. So, sorry to interrupt.
0: No, no, you, no you're good. It, the CrossFit affiliate scene, I was in it from 2011, and then we did not renew the affiliate, I believe it was in 2018, nine, something like that, 19 maybe. Um, the affiliates always wanted more business, I think some kind of guidance. And I. the thing that would drive me mad, and again, it's, I, They just maybe not have that acumen. In the United States... A license model cannot give have a continued business relationship with its licensees. The United States has the most strict franchise laws in the country. If this was the UK, it's a completely different scenario, but it's not. That's right. And, and I would hear people complain like, well, for my $3,000, like, that's what a license is. Calvin Klein is a license. Those pair of pants you have, Calvin didn't fucking make those. Some guy who pays for a Calvin Klein license made those in Taiwan, and now you are wearing them. And- I th- like, but I always like. Why doesn't CrossFit literally? Could just I mean, and I've re- I read literally. I can tell you many times with the Black Box Rob Wolf did an amazing blog post on what happened at the Black Box and that shit show that happened back in the day. Oh and yeah, I
1: did not go to that on purpose. That's an because I knew thing. it was
0: going to be a shit show. But in there, he documents where Greg and Dave stood up and said, "Well, we can't do all the things you want because just license and franchisee thing." However, there was a point in where you and me kind of in our journeys, I loved CrossFit. And I do look at everything as constantly varied functional movements. Everything that exists in a boutique fitness world has to tip their hat and bend the knee to 100. constantly we know the, We know the TRX movements. kids, and I'm like, oh, it looks a lot like CrossFit. Correct. Like it, where I think the train came off the tracks where my um, my disassociation with it is when the bipolarization of CrossFit, the fitness program that could it be the solution to the most vexing problem, and just – Get fit, and then the sport, and then it went from like you know, let's let's say at the time maybe 10,000, 12,000, little independent, awesome little spots around the world, making people fitter, and then inside of each one of them there was also this other goal that maybe some members nobody ever walked into. CrossFit San Francisco, well, maybe CrossFit San Francisco, but said, I want, you know what, I am I want to know how to snatch an overhead squat. It's like, I heard this thing makes me look better naked and yeah. it's fun. My friends tell yeah. me about it. But then six months later, someone's crying because an Asian girl beat them in 13.1 on the fucking leaderboard.
1: Or oh, they went to another gym and did it secretly.
0: It, where, like, where did that go wrong? And do you believe it's due to the... CrossFit, the sport versus CrossFit. The, should have been called something. Should the sport have been called something else to disassociate? Oh, so easy to go MMA back. and UFC. So easy
1: to go back in time and be like, "We should have done this." Sure. Right? I was the head judge of the first CrossFit Games, and uh, what I'll tell you is, I remember distinctly when there was going to be a CrossFit competition. I was like, "Oh, this has got ruined for me," because I'd come out of professional. Sports. Sports And CrossFit was the greatest agnostic way to train for something else. So suddenly when it was a sport, which was great for everyone. We've all benefited from CrossFit as a yes. sport. But I remember thinking, okay, now it's recursive. Now I have to do more pull-ups so I can do more pull-ups so I can do more pull-ups. And I was like, Ugh. So I, I remember this clearly. There's a PDF about the ranch and what we're doing. And um, I remember being like, oh, I don't know if I feel about this. Because this is the one thing that's the great. put training back into joy for me, right? And competing. And, but simultaneously, what we've got out of it is better movement quality, better training systems, better. Like we've basically used this, gen- this last you know, 15 years of generation or however long the game's been going around as a, you know, a laboratory to crush Bodies and figure out what's the end justify the means. Well, Truman kind of scenario. You know, a long time ago, the CrossFit Games should have been its own LLC independent, but guess what? I don't run that business. And if you have a critique with CrossFit, I'm like, remember that time where you built an international global phenomenon <laughs> and couldn't hire enough people? How did yeah. that go for you?
0: Well, oh, runaway trains run away from Yeah, yeah.
1: So uh, that's exactly right. It was a runaway train and it was bananas, it was chaos. And imagine the paranoia, because, you know, I think we were talking about, you know, where I said something, I was a young teenager in someone else's house. Yeah. Not until you've been ripped off a hundred thousand times or people are trying to take a swing at you or take a cheap shot at you. Suddenly that's your filter. So for lack of a better word, you know, if you are a police officer in a gnarly part of town and you only see people ODing and, and, you know, family abuse and, like, you have a really polarized view of the world. I, again, I'm not talking about any police things, actions right now. I'm just saying that it's easy if you're a, a paramedic to only see the worst people and think of the worst of people. So CrossFit suddenly goes through a filter where everyone's stealing from CrossFit. Everyone's doing a CrossFit-like thing and not showing, you know... So, when, for example, when I'm on Joe Rogan, we were at a time in CrossFit where CrossFit did not want to have anything to do with my book. They didn't want to promote it. They really felt like... I asked Greg to actually, people don't know this, I asked Greg to write the intro, the foreword, and he didn't want to do it. So I really, I sent a box of books. I was like, hey, I really tried to be transparent, and, the, and then the, it wasn't enough. And so when I went to Joe Rogan, I did not mention CrossFit. You know why? Because they didn't ask me, they didn't want me to. I was a problem for them. How do we do that, right? And then afterwards, they're like, you didn't mention CrossFit. And I was like, Jesus Christ, like you have to choose if I'm going to be, you're one of your champions and vocal v- forces for good, or I'm not going to mention you. And now imagine me magnified times 100,000 other people who are starting little gyms. And now you're, you're trying to defend the brand in Australia and New Zealand and knockoffs and so-and-so fit. So I can see how it got chaotic. You know, suddenly, like, there were a lot of CrossFit lawyers running around for a second. Now we're like, okay, it's like everything's come down a little bit. So, you know, in retrospect... Again, the games was amazing. We have a whole generation of young athletes who actually can make a living or some kind of living. The competition is great, but, man, did it fuck up gym culture. Let me just say that again. So bad. People crying, and this team, and these are the people are so special because they're going to regionals, and it created this just It's a high school. Hot. It became a sorority, oh, so a high school. So fucking gross. I'm swearing on purpose because it's just pissed me off and it was so terrible i mean it just made bad things in our gym and uh you know and juliet our team took 10th one year in the crossfit games i mean like we were in we thought it was fun and then it wasn't fun all of a sudden and we realized that like in order to do that and feed that beast
0: you know it was just a separate thing you know so um was it so big at CrossFit San Francisco? Was it it wasn't worth cutting out like looking at it as a cancer and cutting it out it was just like
1: We did. We really we ended up really just de emphasizing and walking further and further away from that because you know, we we did try to do things like, Oh, this is our competitive team, and then they had they were so entitled. And if you're listening to this and you were a member of my gym back then and a bad behavior, shame on you. You were awful in my gym and I had to put out a thousand fires because of it. And it's my fault. Because I let it exist. Instead of saying no, we're just not into that. That's a different sport. But again, there's a lot of pressure. You know, um, we have this incredible, uh, you know, insurance system through CrossFit, right? The CrossFit RG Risk Retention Group. In order to found that, we were all publicly pressured to give a thousand dollars that we'd never get back. And at the time, that was a lot of money. And um, there was a list of people who had paid and who hadn't paid and it was publicly made and if you were on the list you were basically a pariah and 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 that was they were pressured to fund the thing and you either gave a thousand made a thousand dollar donation to crossfit or you didn't and simultaneously balance that with the fact that my affiliate fees haven't gone up in 16 years they're still 500 dollars, right so the most loyal company that will tolerate a whole bunch of Shitty behavior before they excommunicate you. Um, Tony Budding, one, I said this to Tony Budding once, CrossFit will do nothing for you, this is back in the day, but they'll do everything for you. They'll give you a roadmap and opportunity. You know, Greg pulled uh, Rob aside a long time ago. He's like, stick with me, kid. I'll make you a millionaire, you know? And I think Greg really had a vision for fitness and, and revolution, but then, you know, I'm sorry, where did he get his MBA? You know, where did, where did Dave and Nicole get their MBA and, and physical training? They didn't, they, we learned on the ground. I mean, how many gyms had I owned before I owned that? None. How many big businesses I'd run with, you know, 500 members? None. You know, so some of this is easy to say now because we're in a, just a different
0: landscape entirely, you know? So I look at CrossFit very much like, uh, pizza. It's very synonymous. Now there's pizza, there's CrossFit, but there's New York style, there's Chicago deep yeah. dish, there's whatever, thin crust, there's cauliflower, whatever. How are your thoughts? I mean, it's something that I did, and I, I think it's the evolution of a brand that is underground, becomes mainstream, and then becomes agnostic for almost pretty much everything. Like, I do this thing when I go in and work with the gym, I, I grab a, a, a bumper plates, I put a bar, I put a plyo box and a rower. And I'm like, what's that a picture of? And they'll always say, I'm like, no, that's CrossFit. You show it to anyone, even an ignorant fitness person. And like, I I think, I don't know, maybe they that CrossFit. That's thing. Kleenex. Yeah, this is exactly. Kleenex and tissues. You got it what are your thoughts on the gym owners now that were a part of the tribe, they learned and they're going in different directions and they are cutting out their own sliver because the only thing that's wrong, not wrong, the only thing that's, a, I believe, a disadvantage from they have an amazing name. me some other gym that when you walk in the dicks, you see it on shoes and shorts, right? There's amazing fucking advantages to being a goddamn CrossFit affiliate. But if you truly have a unique belief in fitness or you want to take a different edge on something and it, it, you, know, you would put CrossFitters in there and show them your new fitness thing and say, hey, this is my new fitness thing. But I'm a CrossFit they'd be like oh that's not CrossFit so now you have almost an obligation to kind of carve that out did you have you worked or talked with agent motors like I'm, I'm de-affiliating or I'm not a de-affiliating but I'm doing it way different like I'm, I'm not doing these movements that thing this equipment that and CrossFitters are quitting left and right because it's quote unquote not CrossFit I haven't seen people banding
1: left and right I think what's uh, notable and that you correctly highlight is you know Early on, people built their entire business name and their entire sort of security around something they didn't own. You just license the name. We've been called Training House Incorporated from day one. So the name of our business is Training House. In fact, the Vikings, the football team, have a thing that they tried to name Training House Inc., but we owned it.
0: You could sell a C and D.
1: That's right. So they, they it's like... Training yes. something or the house or something. Hoss, yeah. Right, because they, they really tried to buy training house, and they were like, oh, shit, this little gym owns Training House Inc., right? And so early on, we were like, look, we can never be in a position where CrossFit can turn our our whole livelihood off, and so we needed something else. And, and that was an early thing. I think Rob Wolf and, and Greg. NorCal's training. Right, yeah NorCal. We, all, we always were like, hey, you know, there's two things. I think early on, there was one of the things – that's so amazing is when I travel, I know there's a gym everywhere and there's a culture everywhere and there's people who understand me, who understand the shoes I'm wearing, things I train. When I went to Singapore, right, but that, it's on my brain because I have a ton of good friends there and it's the last place I, was, I taught publicly before the, the pandemic. I got taken to every cool restaurant and trained with everyone and introduced and I had a family that I did not have to explain myself to at all. We all had a common, universal language called CrossFit, right? So, balance that with the fact that my gym has been around for a while. I have pretty good, world-class coaching, da-da-da. There's other things like that exist in San Francisco, but you opened your gym. There was Pacheco Valley, who lived really close by, and they were like, we're the the barriers, most elite CrossFit. And I was like, who are you? What have you done? They've gone out of business. She was a photographer. He was a nurse, something like that. And I was like, that's super cool. But... Now, how do I differentiate myself? You know, so if you're you have Wadden in the last of your part of your name, how do you differentiate yourself? Yeah. So it, it's a naming problem, and it's the same naming problem that Netflix had. It's the same name problem that everyone else had. Like, you know, one of our friends, Danny Ching, is an incredible, world class paddler, and he couldn't get a name for his paddleboard company. Every time he put something in, say four hundred four, not found four hundred So he called it four hundred four, right? So you have to understand that early on, having CrossFit in your name was an advantage, but I think you could still be a CrossFit. As an associate, and I think you have to now differentiate. We always at our gym until we closed down. Of course, um, we were a CrossFit gym. We crossfitted. Our main classes are CrossFitting. That's what you came to. And then I had a skilled conditioning class, which was CrossFit-based, but skilled conditioning, no barbells. And then we over here we had our Olympic lifting program. And then we had our, right? So I think in that gym, you can start to say, hey, there's some other things we want to do. But every member of our staff could CrossFit, taught CrossFit, could CrossFit, could teach snatching. Those were our core values because that's the value that we saw originally as the powerful thing that wasn't the the gym. So it's a little disingenuous. To be like i don't need CrossFit anymore but also how do you differentiate yourself from this person on the street who sucks or is new or not doesn't suck they're just new and they don't have your your facility or your thing so that's tricky
0: yeah right i'm curious you're taking this so what you described there we had crossfit then we had these other things that was and it was right around 2000 maybe 9 10 that kind of model really started to evolve um in the CrossFit affiliate world, having some of these additional classes, these, you know, little subsets, and I used to tell people, listen, no, 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 don't be a Swiss Army knife yet. Like, the great gyms, like, you were a great CrossFit gym. CrossFit you were gym. a great knife. What do knives do? They fucking stab shit. You could stab shit all day. You were sharp as fuck. And then, then you added... The pliers, and then you added this thing, but you had to get that one thing down first. Where if you never added anything else, you'd still be profitable, you'd still be able to pay the bills, you'd have happy clients and employees that had careers. Now, get that down first, and then add all these yes. little nuances.
1: Yeah, you know we, anyone, anyway, Jimona can do this. People say, or so, I heard from people, and I'm like, who, how many? Because I'm like, this was one person who's was like, I wish we had this Low machine. Minority. Or, yeah, I'm like, oh, yeah, I know what that means. That means, that means one person told a coach one time, yeah. right? Um, what I will say, that we were one of the first gyms to do, this sounds crazy, personal training. We owned, Fucking
0: nuts, Kelly. What the fuck are you talking about?
1: <laughs> there was only CrossFit classes, and I was like, and then there's ways for coaches to make real livings and not make $37,000 a year. Um,
0: and a better way to probably onboard people in all reality.
1: Sure. And, you know, the onboard program, this on-ramp program, you know. Nikki Violetti and Rob both dude, created that. Dude, amen, amen. Their, their piece, you know, and they were, you know, the first time they were executed from CrossFit, they were in my kitchen.
0: And uh, I've known those guys forever. She's and my hero, by the way. She, re- I used to read her blog. She had the first CrossFit business blog to ever hit the scene. I know. Go in there. Anyone listening, go to Google. I tell people this all the time. Go to Google, put in Nikki Violetti, CrossFit business. It's still there. The entire original on ramp.
1: They do so many things. They've done so much for our community and so many things. They do so many things well. It's kind of an embarrassment of riches how talented those two are. Um, we we don't get to see them very often. They moved. To Would the you do an fields. intro with
0: me with Nikki? Will you do an introduction for me with oh, Nikki? Yeah. I she's like one of my absolute oh
1: favorites. and she's such a savage. Um, real just and you have to understand when you talk to this old guard the amount of you know. I'm trying not to filter myself, but I'm trying to give you context a little bit, right? It's tricky. Um, but those, those two, like, we drafted off them so hard. You know, um, Greg Everett built our first website. Yeah. Right? You know, that's, that's where we were. So, um, you know, because we didn't know how to do it. and Greg was a, was a developer. He wasn't even Olympic lifting. He was skinny. He was skinny biker Greg, right? Um, so he didn't before even, Catalyst. He didn't, yeah, he didn't even know Amy and I yet. Right? Okay. So um, he was up there with, with Rob. So I don't remember what we're talking about.
0: No, we're just talking about adding, adding the Swiss oh, right now What I would say
1: things. is the personal training was still CrossFit-based. Sure. It was still CrossFit-based. We're a CrossFit gym. That's what we're doing. That's what people expect. And, um, and there are some, you know, we would tinker and add in flavor and new toys. But at the core, what we're doing is couplets and triplets because this methodology works. And it's exercise ADD for people and it's community. And if you watch... Watch Nexium, the the cult about Nexium, right? Um, watch Wild Wild Country, these another cult movie, and you'll see that these groups all have this shared dissociative experience, and that's our workout. Our workout is so hard it changes your consciousness because you think you're going to die or you have to pay attention, and and then we share through this experience, and that is the heart of soul of what people need and belong to. Football exists in America today because. It's the only time that men were ever on a team in their whole lives. Their whole lives. There's a place for someone. Everyone can CrossFit. Everyone can CrossFit. Five hundred pound people can CrossFit. Beginners can CrossFit. You know, I ran a, you know, my skill conditioning class. You know, just you know, CrossFit without barbells. Right. You could. This is the only class in our whole gym ecosystem. You could come in right off the street, right into my class, and um, I made it a priority that every person in the class could do a pull up. That was just like one of my values. I told him, like, oh, you're new here? You're going to be doing pull-ups every day where you see you. And then every single fucking person had a pull-up. And that's because that's a CrossFit value that you can
0: do a pull-up. Right. And also, if you're just from a business perspective, it's the one thing we talk to people about. Like we have a woman come in here and be like, There's, are you married yet? She'll get married. I'm like, that was probably the best day of your life. Do you have a kid? Like, okay, that's the best day of your life. The next one's going to be when you get your first pull-up. Because <laughs> universally, <laughs> if, you, if we walked around with a microphone, we did a 1,000 people, ma'am, would you, sir, would you like to deadlift 500 pounds, 400 pounds? I, sir? I don't care. No. Would you like to run an ultra marathon, a regular yeah. marathon? No. Would you like to be able to do a pull-up? Fuck yes. Nine out of 10 people, I would put my entire life on it. And, and th-
1: those early values, you know, I, we worked, there was an early CrossFit challenge to get 30 pull-ups, and there was an early CrossFit challenge to get 40 pull-ups, and there was one that was 50 pull-ups. Long before, Chris Spiele did 100 pull-ups. You know, I remember the first time I did 40 pull-ups in a row, and I was like, I am a god, you know? I'm sure, I'm sure my bar didn't go over, and. <laughs> or whatever. But, uh, you know, uh, some of it was unwritten. You know, people don't realize that there used to be a uh, web page on the CrossFit side that if you had a muscle-up, you actually made this list of people who could do a muscle-up. There were not that many people on the list. Then it went to two pages and we were like,
0: what? Unless you're an eight-year-old in gymnastics. they are like, what do you mean, Dad? That's just how I get on the rings. That's <laughs> no. just what I do. Unless,
1: <laughs> unless you realize that now you do synchronized muscle-ups and you do 100 in a row. In yeah. A row, right. <laughs> so, you know, I, I don't think it, in this context of business evolution and fitness, this you know, it wasn't yet. It was yesterday that you couldn't buy a kettlebell in San Francisco. It was yesterday that uh, there was no Rogue. It was yesterday that there wasn't seven options for how you manage your members and communicate with your members. It's just very different. There was no sugar wad. It's very young. It's it. It was just you know we were inventing it, making our equipment, figuring it out, and then in that there's a lot of, you know. Ego and personality, and now people are like, okay, it's a
0: little bit more an established business. It's like BMX racing. You made your first squat wrecks. These fuckers, look at this now. Like, if I would have shown this to you, if I just popped up in my Delorean after going to eighty-five with Doc Brown, I was like, hey, check Kelly, this is what you got. All right, see you, buddy. You'd be like, that. There's no way that's like, not those real. Place? Are those from like <laughs> those from Poland? Is, is that Optimus Prime? What is that thing? Like, it just. It, <laughs> How it, many barbells do you have? I know it's insane. The yeah. evolution. So you
1: know so. In that, you know, now you have to get to, you have to have gone through all of that to get to here. The question is, what do we want to do now? That's really what, especially when we, some of the CrossFit gyms are going away, thank goodness, right? Because we just didn't need, it was bloated. It was bloated. Uh, And it's the same thing we're seeing where people who are probably running CrossFit gyms who didn't need to use it as a time to pivot. As many as they failed, like ours failed there are ones that just need to pivot, right? People are just like, I've been doing this a long time. We can shut the doors. And that's any normal business cycle, right? That's 100% any field, anything. So we're a pretty sophisticated lot now. There's a lot going on in terms of sophistication, the average person and what the language they speak. You know, in 96, I'm like, well, how much did you overhead squat in 96? And everybody were like, I didn't overhead squat. And I was like, that's why it was a good test in 96. But now everyone overhead squats. You know,
0: yeah, it's I see Cross as this amazing initial layer um, of strength and conditioning, exercise, fizz that landed on a bunch of individuals that were dental assistants and they were they worked at Bank of America and then they they found this thing we they took to a train. level one, yeah. And now what I'm hoping is that as those that are still survive 2020 are dive deeper. Like there, I do believe there are things missing out of the recipe, right? I do like I I love an emphasis on tempo, and isometric, and unilateral, and traditionally, if we go back to when we started this thing, it was heavy, it was fast, and then it was heavy fast, and then it was a mix.
1: The bar was low enough that it didn't matter. That's what I'll say. Um, We were all limited by being unskilled, and not very fit, and not very strong.
0: And now, where we are now, do you, like, if you got to rewrite the level one now, or the emphasis on the fitness movements and the principles that we teach, if Kelly Starrett got to write it, would you have, would... Would there be anything different that you would do with the level one manual that you were? Oh yeah, we're for arming? sure, for sure. There would be, you'd see
1: that there would be f- normal expressions of every position. Like so, like I said, there's no shoulder extension, there's no push up, there's no dip, there's no bench, right? There's no burpee. There's n- none of that doesn't exist. Running, you can't take the arm into extension anywhere in the level one. So is that not important? It's not an essential movement but as soon as you go into a CrossFit class, it's there, right? Um, Would we explain tempo and isometrics? Yeah, that's for sure we would. Um, You know, would the sumo-delive high pull be there? I understand what Greg was trying to do. He needed an internal rotation of the shoulder. So suddenly we have a hang archetype, right? But no one does that movement. It's a dumb movement. Not because you're going to get hurt, because no one does it. And the one time they put it in the games, it was a disaster because it didn't move a large load a long distance quickly. It actually did not meet the means, and yet... Got people pulling sumo. Got people getting into a sure. hang shape. Everyone could do it. You know, like, the, I used to think, I was like, medicine balls are so dumb. Like, and then I'm like, ooh, it's the f- easiest way to challenge someone's squat position. And we can get everyone moving quickly. Opening, closing the hip. Close chain, open chain. Like, medicine balls are awesome. We need more medicine balls. And so some of it, I think, you know, you have to understand the time. where the tools available? You know, Greg wrote a, a, a article about training a lot of people with just dumbbells, 30s and 50s, a long time ago. How, you know, and, like, you can get a lot done with a pair of dumbbells. I think there's so much equipment and so much n- nuance. Um, I think now, you know, there's a lot of opportunity in CrossFit for it to leap ahead and tap into 15 years of decentralized experimentation. There are real... I mean... Uh, look what Matt Frazier's doing. Look at look at the programming of of, of Amy. Look at the programming of Yami Tikkanen or any, uh, you know, superstars, mayhem. That is deep, incredible knowledge and what you'll see is that there's a huge missing overlap between what the best in the world are doing and how they're doing it and how they're unwrapping people and what we're teaching as our entree to the thing. So, someone has a problem. We, if I lay over Shane's programming you know, everyone else, you're going to be like, oh, I see, it's all the same. Ben Bergeron's a genius, right? It all matches up. But then just taking the level one and lay over on top of that, how does it match? It doesn't match very well. So you're seeing that the, the system has outrun its base. It doesn't make the base wrong. It's just time to change. That's yeah. all. And this is a great opportunity. And, and again, there's so much going on and it's not my business, not my, not my circus, not my monkeys. But I should not have to, and I'll say this publicly a million times, every five years, I should not have to take that course again. That is offensive. I did not become a less capable CrossFit coach by owning a CrossFit gym for 16 years that I need to go learn and have someone critique my overhead squat with the PVC pipe. That's horseshit waste of time. Should I pay my money every year? No problem. I want to maintain my credential and licensing. Here's my $100. Here's my $200. No problem. I want to own my gym? No problem. Take that course again? That's was, that was a bummer.
0: Super bummer. What do you see equipment-wise? What is the name of that amazing flywheel fucking thing you have? Oh, Kratos? Yeah, right that guy right there. Kabuki. So I look at that, and we already messed around with the tonal, like diagonal plane movements, not existent for the most part inside of inside of crossers. There's some things, right? As you see the gym today, I, I have a big belief that things are going to consolidate and get more streamlined and tighter and smaller and let more compact and things like that. That's just my random belief. What tools would you love to see The rogues of the world, the pre-cores of the world, make more commercially available for the average micro gym or something like that. Like things that you're messing with now that you didn't when you were Mm. deep in the sauce.
1: Well, you know, ultimately, we're looking at which tools I want to reach for, right? And I'll run everything through this filter. How many athletes am I dealing with? Three? Five? That's a very different thing than I've got 30 kids coming in for their high school PE. That was We ran high school PE for a local high school. Right? Can you imagine that your high school PE is coming to my gym three to five times a week? Can you imagine that? Like I'm like, screw your insurance,
0: you. S- your insurance premium. Everyone just testing your liability Sc- insurance. I was like, screw you little kids. Like, yeah.
1: you, know, like you get world-class coaching for PE. That's not fair. Um, what I'll say is I ran everything through the filter. Does this scale across cohorts? Do I, like, Tendo unit. It would be great to measure power. I need 40 of them. I'm out, right? Sure. So suddenly what we saw was that, man, with this small pieces of equipment we had so much access now one of the things that's happened in the gym which really sort of ugh, gets under my skin a little bit is we don't need to train every ray every vector and every exposure in the gym that was what sport was supposed to do and we forgot what we were training for and in fact in fitness 100 words or less it's like i oh, want yeah. to play a new sport when's the last time you learned a new sport when's the last time you played a sports how many sports did you do this week and the answer is very few you did crossfit and There's a time when you're in business, when you have a newborn baby, you get it to the gym, there's no time for sport. There's like, I'm just keeping myself alive. But the second you can go spend some of those credits, you need to go spend your fitness credits, go test yourself, go do a sport. Um, So yes, there's not a lot of transverse movement in the gym, but if I... We do have medicine balls, so we can throw medicine balls, right? So we're just not throwing medicine balls. Um, how do we scale that? How do we how do we advance it? You know, do I need to get everyone cutting laterally? One of the things that our old gym outdoor, we did so many drags on the sleds in so many different ways, crossovers. So I got all this crossover movement, right? This Kratos is amazing because it allows us to spin, twist, do that. I think you're going to see more of these flywheel attachments. I think Garage Gym Reviews has a machine that's bolts to it's roll. It's like this stuff, yeah. And then you can just rotate a little bit, right? Yeah. So some of this is figuring out how much exposure do I need and how much training do I need? Because I would get everyone to lunch lunge and start throwing medicine balls as part of our warm-ups. But also, you know, are we talking about keeping people fit and healthy versus preparing people for sport? How much, you know, it's easy to do a, a caustic squat is that enough? So I think the programming is there. I think this old like we
0: go up and straight up and down all the time, I think it's kind of a specious argument. What do you think what Mar- Marcus has done a great a great thing in my opinion in bringing back there is value to some isolation movement. There's a ton of value. It was Dude, p- I live on bicep curls. It was but you remember the day. It, I remember I remember blatantly telling oh, yeah. my buddies who are bicep curls, hey, fucking done. pussy power clean. Do a pull-up, you fucking pussy. When I was the guy doing bicep curls, not even a year ago, but I'm woke now, right? I'm across <laughs> That's CrossFit
1: woke. Uh, I'm right,
0: CrossFit woke. Um, crossfit
1: woke. Uh, you know, here's here's what was you know what his programming was great was that you know you like Marcus, whom I've known. I did, coached his first CrossFit workout. I've known him forever. He is a monster. Just so you know, he's not just a pretty man. Um, but you know, it's okay to train for aesthetics. Or how about this? It's not even aesthetics. He has. If you do his program, you're going to have rock solid tendons and ligaments. Because that's what a lot of that accessory work does. It makes you bulletproof. And you still can squat. And I'm pretty sure that on Instagram today or yesterday, I saw him power cleaning. So I'm sure it's in there still. But it turns out maybe we don't have to become Olympic lifters to have the stimulus. And by kind of focusing a little bit on one thing, you know, you, you, you realize that after 10 years of doing something, it's okay to specialize or have a certain style of training or things that, that feel good for you. I will never do kipping handstand pushups ever again. I'm just out. I'm out. I'm good.
0: I always joke that it looks like if you were like, well, how could I suck my own dick? Like, how could I get it that close?" I get like I could try to I could be upside down and pull my nuts down, my hips down to my face and kick it up, and it just you know who hated Kipping Hanson pushups? Greg Glassman. Yeah, hated.
1: Good. Uh, when they first started, I was teaching in Arizona, and someone had just done it for the first time. Um, there was a climber named Rob. Do you remember Rob? And uh, he was blonde. He was a big wall climber, and he was doing. He was doing,
0: oh uh, yes, a hundred percent. Yeah, I do. He remember, was doing yeah.
1: Mary. And, uh, which was the alternative to Cindy, which people don't do very much, pistols and handstand push-ups, right? And, um, I think pull-ups too. And, uh, he, maybe it's dips, but he, um was doing kipping, and it was just like, people were like, oh, he's kipping. No one likes kipping. It shouldn't be kipping. And now I'm like, look at your neck. What are you doing? Yeah. And, you know, I watched The Grid, and I'm like, okay, well, as soon as you're a sport, and I don't think fitness always makes a great sport. It's not – some movements, like, you'll see that there are less and less ring dips in fitness, <laughs> in fitness competitions this year because it turns out ring dips made a really, really stupid sport, and they had to come up with all these fake ways that you – like, they're banned at the top – Difficult, this will be difficult to prove in science. But their band at the top altered people's patterns so they could touch it, and that put them in a position as they lowered that they tore, tore their pecs. But the, we needed some way to prove the lockout, sure. right? Versus now, it's a handstand push up on the rings. It's You got to do a muscle up. I'm like, that's safe. Versus, right. so
0: not all movements make good training exercises. I remember watching Dutch Lowry doing butterfly pull ups in that documentary that Savant did. I remember the first time seeing a butterfly pull up, and my instinct initially was, Oh fuck! Like I, I don't like that. I didn't even like. I didn't like even the way it looked. I didn't like whatever. But I'm like, but that is how I'm gonna do more pull-ups. There was
1: OPT and AFT. Right? Yeah. And the first butterfly pull-up was done in a commercial gym on one of the machines, one of the pull-up rigs that did, had a gap in between. Oh yeah, it. yeah. There's only two handles. So yeah, you yeah. Could, you could, That was you could how it was there. invented. Right? Isn't that amazing?
0: That is incredible. And it, you know, I remember Greg saying in some interview, he, he said, "You yeah, lift them." I could have put, de-emphasized a couple things that kind of got away from us. The kipping pull up and the kipping gymnastics, 100. percent I wish I would have put more emphasis on, on the strict portion to a degree, and, and it's not that he's wrong. I just again there was this element across that just got, look at me, look what I can do, and and it that's l- look like nature. how I can do it. Look yeah. at how many miles I ran yeah. this week. That's no different. It's, look at all at how many cycle it's an all sports. It's an all sports.
1: Right. Um, you know, and I, uh, you know, Greg never said. Uh, I'm not. This is not defend Greg. Um, Greg never said. Um, it's okay to round your back and pull the heaviest weight you can. He said, you can handle post-maximal loads in an isometric position safely. That's what he said. And we would actually do that. I did that demo with him. He'd call me up, and I'd lift a million-pound thing up off the ground, and my back wouldn't change. And he'd be like, see? And what you didn't see was, you know, fundamental comping. And I think, you know, early on, we got into this notion that, um, uh, you know, men will die for points, and that was good and bad competing yeah. next to someone who's really good if that's all you value is going as fast as you can that's what you get
0: yeah and uh, one thing I want to make sure that hit on here as we as we kind of go through this Juliet is I got to meet her at the 2005 Fifteen or maybe sixteen, Box Pro something, Box Pro magazine, mm. you know, whatever. Oh yeah, she came out and she she was pretty much oh, the Box D. pro magazine. Yeah, rest, rest in peace. Yeah, and she uh, she came and I actually lie, I actually like invited myself. They invited, they they said they were inviting the top fifty gym owners in the country. John Swanson was invited, Craig from Diablo was invited, just all these OG names that I had grown up. I was not invited. I was though trying to get my name out. So I was writing for Box Pro for free. Every month I wrote an article, oh, a business amazing. article. And then I just invited myself. I said, Hey, the I saw this thing glam. and I said, Can I come? Like I, I, I got something to say. I would think it'd be great. She's like, no, we no, we have fifty spots. No, but we really like your blogs every month. That's great. I'm like, fair enough. Her name is Heather Hartman, amazing woman. And then I don't know, couple weeks later she's like, someone backed out. You want to go? I was like, "Fuck yes!" And they paid for everything. We got to go there, and they, it was this. And Guido Trinidad was there, and Chris Cooper was there. I was, I was blown away. I was so happy to be there. But Juliet was there, and I would say ninety-two percent of the population of gym owners were males, which That's is the thing. It was ninety-five, and <laughs> she fucking alphaed this shit out of that entire thing <laughs> because I, you can tell they didn't really give her a, like nobody really knew it. It was their first time doing it. They're just trying to see if this will work. We'll invite all these guys for free. We'll pay for all the food and booze. And then we're going to try to sell them on coming next year. We'll actually make money on it. And you could tell they didn't really have a playbook. But when she got up there, she absolutely killed it. Now, what I want to lean what I'm leaning into here is as the CEO and the uh, attorney element, right? There's very, there's very alpha positions. Those are like, don't fuck with me kind of roles and titles at home as parents is that the same thing wait do you, is there like does she have a very alpha role at home and you mentioned you're the warrior and she's the warrior talk to me a little bit about that you know uh, here's so
1: my wife is the most extraordinary woman in my life and i've ever met like she is the greatest partner i've ever had like just she's the shit um i hope everyone feels that way about their partners girlfriends boyfriends partners whatever um a couple things about Juliet. She's a two-time cancer survivor. She had thyroid cancer when she was 19. In 2019, she had breast cancer. And uh, that's why we were like, fuck, 2019, 2020 is going to be awesome. <laughs> and uh, she's a three-time world champion paddler. She's a state champion rower. She can suffer and not work everyone. She went to law school. Um, she decided she would never be in a position where she had to worry about money. That's why she became a lawyer by herself. She could always you know, feed, feed herself. Um so you have Lance Armstrong syndrome on top of talent, on top of hustle and drive, and what I'll say is, uh, we have very different roles in the business, which is nice. I can't imagine this, this doesn't work without both of us working together. One plus one equals seven, right? And I do the I'm the one, and Juliet's six, right? That's really what it feels like sometimes. She's like, you know, I talk to a lot of people about their businesses. I'm like, you know, what the problem is you're not married, to Juliet. That's your <laughs> And you find your step. And one, I can't fix that problem. Step for one: you. go to Chile. <laughs> For Camel cigarettes, step three: the ready state. Right? Um, no, what I'll say is that we are very good partners in how we address things. We don't, and you know, we like the same things. Like Juliet's my best friend, and uh, like I actually like to bro out with her. I don't, I don't get sick of Juliet and be like, I need a break. I got to hang with the bros. Like Juliet is the person I want to spend time with, and so, you know. Um, Her executive function is through the roof. I mean, she was the best brief at her law school. You know, her, like I said, her organizational skills and management skills, you know, she can do 500 things to my one thing. And then also the things that I look at and see the world, Juliet can't do. So um, I wouldn't say we're out the alpha thing. I will say that if I was married to a person who wasn't as strong willed and independent and powerful, I would walk all over that person. There are so many extraordinary women that I get to with, work with and be around and I'd be like, man, we would be a terrible match because I would just bully you into what I want to do. And Juliette is just like, nope, right? That's not what we're doing and um and because of that, you know, because I have a partner who will pull me back from the brink, um you know, that role is, I think you would be surprised how stoked we are. I think the number one thing about our household and our friends say is that we're stoked people. We are just generally very positive and very stoked. There's a lot of stoke going on. And um, there's not enough stoke in people's lives. I think, you know, we're just, we're not just blatantly cheerful, but we wake up and we're kind of like, fuck, <laughs> we're alive again today.
0: And, you know, Julie and I point out, would be grateful? Would that be maybe the... Uh,
1: I don't even know if that's it. You know, Juliet uh, was attacked by a hippo when she was in Africa. Almost died. Uh, hippo attack after winning a world championship. Hippo attacked her canoe. She went in the water. Something that hippo. sounds
0: extremely comical if you're saying it like that. All but right, but so if you've yeah, actually... So yeah. Like, I'm assuming they're probably the most aggressive animals it's out It's the number
1: one killer. So she takes a stroke, hippo hits the boat, she goes in the water, there's gigantic crocs in the water, wild, there's Cape Buffalo, on the, I mean, it's a bad scene, and then she has three more days of paddling after that, right? Um, you know, attacked by hippo, cut on, I mean, just, so there's one death, thyroid cancer is a second death, uh, breast cancer is another death, both of our children could have killed Juliet, Right if it had been 50 years earlier. So I like to say Juliet's on her sixth life, right? <laughs> and that is a woman who does not suffer fools, who doesn't have time for silly bullshit, and is all in to go hard in the paint and play hard and and work hard. And, you know, that's the partner I hope you have. That's the business partner I hope you have. And, um, you know, I, I, I'm i very, very, very lucky. So like I said, I can spot talent and patterns. And I met Juliet in Chile, And I remember thinking, well, she's super cute. And we started chatting her up. And I was like, what do you do? And she's like, I'm an internet professional in San Francisco. And I was like, what does that even mean? Like, you work what? Like, you're an internet professional in San Francisco? I'm a kayak rep and I live in a truck. (laughs) And then, you know, I was like, well, what's your life plan? She's like, oh, I just applied to law school. And I was like, "What? how do you even do that? Like, you want to see my kayak? (laughs) And uh, so early on, I was pretty sure, and I moved from Durango to San Francisco to follow this girl because I thought she was so exceptional. never met a person like her before.
0: And you're a girl dad. This is something I selfishly tried to extract. I did it with Sean Pastuch. I had another uh, interview Give me. I'm four years into being a girl dad, and I, I always say oh, it's, just, it's my worst job. Like the thing I do the worst day to day. I just it's, I assume it's that because I've done it the least. I've only done it for four years. It can't be something I do great. So whenever I can, I try to steal and extract advice out of other girl dads who have a longer tenure than I. Uh, I
1: think I was terrified of having a son. I only wanted to have girls. So that's the first thing. Um, second thing is uh, I think why because uh, I had five generations of bad father son interactions, like a uh, five poisoned generations. My great great grandfather was an Irish cop in Seattle, um, alcoholic. You know, my just trashed and tormented Jack Starrett, who trashed an alcoholic, trashed and tormented
0: Rob Starrett, trashed. You know, what I mean, just like at some point, I was like, okay, that's looking be- at stopping now. Looking at it, do you still feel that way?
1: No, no, okay, I could definitely have a son. I would name him Octavian. <laughs> Just fuck with everyone. Have you met my son Octavian? You have to say there like, hey, Octavian, come for dinner. Um, you know, I would love to see what uh, our son, Juliet and I have son, but I only wanted daughters, and I got daughters, and I told Juliet when we were making kids, I was like, we're only having daughters, and that's a daughter, and that's a daughter. And she's like, you're so arrogant. And I was like, nope, it's daughters. So um, I only wanted girls. Um, it, it's so awesome to launch the secret attack on the rest of the world through daughters. They're so subtle. They don't understand what's, you know. Um, I just don't, I can't imagine the other world. And I, I think, it would, you know, Julia, Georgia has, uh, was my oldest and um, first date that we named after. as uh, <laughs> She has this great 17-year-old boyfriend who is so rad. We call him son number one. It's like the first kind of true son I've had in the in the house, you know, and I still prefer my daughters. They're great.
0: I love that. Do you think Do you think about that life cycle of boyfriends they're going to have that you're going to love and then lose?
1: Uh, 100%. You know, the problem with George and this current boyfriend is I'm actually rooting for him. Because the Starettes are kind of big, powerful people, and it's, there's a lot here, you know. Um, and uh, I want that kid to be successful, but what I'll tell you is that he's such a good person, a good kid, that all of her relationships are doomed. The bar is set so high. You know, you come in, you do Two Minute Fran, you know anything else <laughs> than that is, is kind of <laughs> shitty so she's kind of stuck now with a with a model but also you know we practice and we model what we see and you know how would and I hold hands or hug or how we cook dinner together or how we solve problems that's what your kids pick up so you know who you are is everything and if you want to have a rad daughter be a rad dad just be a rad dad to your
0: partner my man, I uh, I know you got to go, and I, I cannot tell you enough for thank you so much. Dude, for the can time. We, we if can I do this for another seven hours, I know it, I'm not bored. I know this. Um, no, I'm I'm gonna let you go. I know you you're getting your you're getting your wrap up line over here, um, brother. I thank you absolutely so much. One thing I'll ask though, one thing I always I, I use you, and I, I've been using you on this when people want to create anything. I just say, like, listen, you said it earlier today. You got to be awesome at something. You got to have something educational or entertaining and an, a unique way of saying it, right? So, everyone out there trying to, whether they're trying to get people into their gym or they're trying to become an internet person or whatever it may be, from someone who committed to 365 days of making content or 365 days of just making his wife coffee to show <laughs> that he cares, could you just give one little piece of advice for someone who wants to create and one day wants to have a ripple effect that they can't even fathom? it right now, but they want to create that thing. Uh, look, I don't even think you have to be
1: that talented. I think you just have to be really consistent. Like I, I don't think people realize that the slow application, you know, my, I think I told you this, my friend, Matt Vincent says, um, you'll get strong, just lift heavy once a week for 10 years. Let me know what happens. I think the internet and the success around us and people who are really successful right now, it's hard to appreciate how long they've been doing it looks like it's overnight success our big joke is like oh best break breakout artist best new artist oh congratulations it's just 10 years of fucking grinding and eating ramen and now look at you you are just you just made it it's all easy um if it's worth doing it's worth doing and you're gonna do it because it's the right thing to do and it shouldn't be the only thing the reason you're doing it is because you're gonna get rich or you know famous. all the kids when instagram goes away, or people get bored, what are those kids going to do? It's, it's, you know, it's tough. I think if you're an influencer, I think that's a tough position to be in. You know, I think if you're serving people and doing the right thing for the right reason for a long time, that's enough. It really is. Because everyone else is going to get tired and die off. I see a ton of people try to be our competitors, and I'm like, oh, look at their great content. And then, like, three weeks later, it's drip, and then it's less. And I'm like, oh, you couldn't keep up. You know, you didn't have it to be consistent. You know, you don't have to kill yourself in the gym every day. You just have to be consistent. And you will make massive progress if you're just consistent. And so, you know, I I don't even think, like, it helps to be charismatic and have it. And I don't think everyone can be, you know, a superstar. You know, not everyone is a lead singer. That's okay. You can be fucking bass player, best bass, bass player in the world, but just do it for a long time. But people are just skidding around, and that didn't work, and I didn't make my thing. And dude, I'm like, just sit here and do your thing for a long time. It really, like, that's the magic, persistence.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, Kelly Sarah Oh, man. Thank you, sir. Such a pleasure. I will see you again, my friend. Absolutely.